What if you made a deal to consume a certain piece of media that someone else picked for you? Something you might or might not know anything about. What if the second half of that deal was that you were the one who got to pick the next media to consume? Would you agree to it? This week, we tried out with part one of a miniseries we were calling The Deal, part one with The Wire. Hello, and welcome back to the Going Off Topic podcast with Kyle Fauché. I am not Kyle Fauché. Uh, the other part of what, I guess, the overall umbrella of the Anything But Credible Network. My name is Dukes from the Anything But Credible podcast. I am somebody who, the host, Kyle Fauché, lets me, I guess, kind of hang around more often than not. We're switching the roles today, and I'll explain why that is in a second. But first, let's say what up. We still do have the host with us, Kyle, a.k.a. Fauché. What's going on, man? Not a lot. It is uh, strange to be on the other side of my own podcast as the co-host, but uh, nailed the intro, nailed the opening. So I'm looking forward to the rest of this podcast for sure. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, it is a little different. We have done this kind of once before, I guess, if you want to think about it like that. But there's a reason why we're doing that. And that is because we are, as we said in the intro, we're starting out a little new mini series that we're calling The Deal, right? So The Deal is pretty simple. We kind of got together and we talked about all this kind of media. We're always talking about media on this podcast. That's the joy of this podcast. And we're talking about the stuff that we consume. You know, we have other episodes like check-ins. We have other episodes where we've done deep dives on series. You know, we've done Breaking Bad and we did a little Wayne, you know, follow for a week of, of his discography and all of these things. So we've gone down this road before, but we've never done something where we said, this is a known piece of work or art that you either A, have or have not seen, or B, like or dislike. And with the deal, that's kind of what we want to address. So we had this conversation. I know we've mentioned this many times in other episodes, but the whole idea here was that Fauché basically picks a, a piece of work for us to consume together. And then I go and finish the second half. And here we are with part one, which is The Wire. The Wire as a television show overall, this iconic cultural show that up to this point, I had never seen not even one second of. And I think that alone was the factor that not only blew Fauché's mind, but brought him to a level of, we have to figure out a way for you to watch this. And so here we are. So before we get to all the questions and all the talkings and everything wire concerned related, all of that, I think we should say right off the bat, spoil alerts will be had. We are talking about the entire arc we're talking about all five seasons, everything. We might go into some very detailed things, scenarios, questions, conversations. We might not. We might keep it high level. We're not going to risk the chance either way. We're, this is a free-flowing conversation, and we're just going to have it. So your spoiler alert is happening now, and I'm going to give a little heads up because the spoiler alert should be applied to every mini-series part of the deal that we're going to do from this point on, especially the second part, which I don't want to give too many spoilers away here, but part two is going to be a great time because we're going to dip Fauché's toes into the horror movie world. And we're going to make him watch a couple horror movies that I think will also be a great conversation. So with all of that being said, and the intro being laid out and the groundwork for what we're doing here, Fauché, let me ask you right off the bat. If we go backwards to a little bit what I was saying before, when you first found out that I not only had not seen The Wire, but really didn't know anything about it at all, what were your original thoughts? 
So for me, The Wire is probably is not probably is my all time favorite best TV show. I've seen it. I think this is the third or fourth time that I've watched it. I pick up something new every time that I watch it. Um, the reason, part of the reason that I went back and was watching it again was for this podcast, obviously. But then also for The Ringer, did a way down in the hole podcast series with Jamel Hill and Van Lathan where they watched every episode and they recorded a podcast on every episode afterwards. So I was like, oh, that, you know, that'd be cool. See other people's perspective. But to answer your question, not knowing what The Wire is, I feel like was a little concerning, but not watching it, I feel like was okay. This, this was on TV, on HBO. So from 2002 to 2008. Um, so, a, a, you know, a while ago, for sure. So def- definitely not a show that you're going to watch when you're the age we were, when this was going on, 10, 11, you know, whatever, 16. So I feel like a lot of people our age probably haven't seen this show. I know I've watched it. I can't remember the last time, the first time I watched it. I can't remember even when it was. I think it might've been back in college or something. So I watched it, loved it, and then decided to watch it again. And Ellen wanted to watch it too. So we watched it together. And then, you know, that was just a couple of years ago. And then you said you were going to watch it. So, you know, we came with this, the deal podcast mini series that we're going to work on. Um, But I, I would be interested to see how many people our age, you know, guys like, like even the three guys on the network, the podcast, Todd and Grifford and Keith, I, I would almost bet that none of them have probably seen The Wire. All three of them probably have not seen it. So I think it's, it's a show that a lot of people older than us have seen, but people below, not our parents' age, but people, we're, we're hitting 30 now. People probably 30 and above have seen and really like, but people 30 and below probably have not seen, but they've heard about it through conversation but i've just not seen it and which is a shame because like i said i mean it's it's easily my all-time favorite tv show yeah so i want to give a little context to that point that, that you're that you're hitting on because i think you're dead on after i finished this show which by the way all in all with everything going on i, I really did try to crank it out uh but and we'll talk about this in a little bit you know overall with real life going on and all the craziness that the world is presenting us with today you know, I don't know what the exact timetable was that it took me to finish this, but let's just say more than two months, probably. I would say a little bit over a couple months, probably for me. Um, and afterwards, which was this past week, so it's still fresh in the mind and everything. I was naturally, when I finish a show, I don't know how you are. I would, I would like to assume most people do this, but it was deep diving on the cast and all the things and info and why they do this and, and why they do that. And one of the things that I realized, and this is something that I, I probably should have led with, with with the intro, is that The Wire is a very interesting show in that right now, if you if you are somebody like me who before this did not know The Wire or didn't know anything about it, the one thing I did know about The Wire was that it was at the top of all the blog lists, all the articles, all the what, top 100s. It was always somewhere in the stratosphere. A lot of these lists, top one, top two, top three shows of all time, which going back into my research, was definitely not the case when this was being made. It was not an instant hit. Every year, it seems like almost they were planning basically to just not be renewed for the next season. Actually, through the later seasons, had other spinoff shows that were planning to spin off to because they were not so confident. They were so not confident. I don't know what the good term is for that, that they weren't going to happen. And then afterwards, it seems like it just, I don't want to say, you know, it's not like a movie where, 
a movie comes out, it doesn't do great, and then it has this cult following. I don't even consider that. It almost feels like it had a cultural impact from the get-go that just almost wasn't realized or people didn't want to actually maybe, I don't know, fully digest it and maybe didn't want to look at all the realities and the harshness that it brings and it offers. And I feel like over time, maybe people started to actually realize, wait a second, this show was made five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, and it's still so accurate to today and so real today. And I think that over time, it just never faded away because it was just like, wow, this is still relevant. And because of that now, throughout all this time, it has this, it's just this next level, almost, um, I don't even know how you, credibility to it, that, that, that if you search these lists, like I said, it'll be at the top of your list. You are a perfect example of this. You were coming at me like, dude, you got, dude, you're a TV guy. Like you like real serious stories. Like you have to see this. This is at the top. And I knew it was up there. It was kind of like the whole thing we did with Breaking Bad. You know, I knew Breaking Bad was considered a top show. I knew that it's always been at the top of the list. I just didn't really, you know, mesh with it right away. But then I, I gave it a shot. And it's not, kind of like Lost, too. That was the other show that we've kind of done this yeah. with, you and I, uh, is Lost. And so very interesting that you say that because I would agree with you. I bet a lot of people have not seen it uh, that I know. But, man, after watching this, it really connected with me on – I could kind of – just it was so interesting that it wasn't a smash right off the bat, but I yeah. could kind of see that though, and we're going to talk about that. It's kind of because how the show was set up and how it progresses and how the seasons are structured. It's very different, and and that is kind of my overall take on the show. First of all, I want to say this up front. I'm going to be honest with you, Koshi. Uh, it took me a very long time to get rolling on this show, but in the long run, I really, 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 really loved it, and I thought that. You, you know, as always, I always end up giving you the credit for these things because I feel like your tastes fall in line with mine. Maybe that's a little biasy there, but either way, um, it's great. I want to, I have questions for you. I have storyline thoughts. I have topics. I have all of this stuff for you. But overall, I have watched it for the first time. And I guess my big question to you is, this is a very serious show. It, it is very dynamic, but it's also very real. And it doesn't, leave you I'm you know we're gonna get into the spoilers right off the bat here it's like it doesn't leave you with any fuzzy warm feelings and it very much reminds you of the real world we live in and a, a lot of big powerful themes such as such as who is the good guys who are the bad guys are the good guys actually doing good or bad do they think they're doing the good or the bad what is the relationship to all the other people and the most important thing of the show in my mind is the realization of these um Systemental or, or or system these foundational systems and, and and almost the circle that it goes in that these systems that just they kind of just goes back around and and here we are we're in the next the next cycle of the same systematic problems that we're facing so all that is to funnel over to you Foshi for the first top high level question is how is the show rewatchable I guess that's my question too right off the bat from a rewatchability standpoint you've already mentioned you've seen it a few times. How is that? Does it get better? Is it worse? Does it, do you pick up on new things? I mean, I, I feel like that would come with every show, but with the heavy, the heavy nature of the show, you know, how does that play into the rewatchability? Yeah. So looking at, before I get to that question, I have IMDb, IMDb pulled up and their top rated TV shows. Uh, the Wire is number six with a 9.3. Number one is Planet Earth 2. Number two is Planet Earth. Number three is Band of Brothers, Breaking Bad. Then Chernobyl is number five. So 
this show is from O2, and that's I mean, it just has lasting power. It's has a nine point three out of ten, with you know, and it's it's really, I mean, if you take like Planet Earth and all those out, it's really the number four show behind Break Band of Brothers, Breaking Bad, and Chernobyl. So just to play off that, but to get back to your question, yeah, I've, I've I think this is the, I I think I said all on this is the third time I've rewatched it, and I def, it definitely will not be the last. I'm sure I'm, a couple of years go by, I want to rewatch it again. Um, but that's that's the reason I love it is how real it is, how raw it is, how like you said, dynamic is a great word. Um, and it's just you know all of these shows like go, yeah, go watch you know Breaking Bad is great, but it's not you know it's not really a real show. This show is set in Baltimore in the drug game in just all around how the city connects. And you mentioned you know how there's all of these issues in the city, but they just keep promoting all these people. So. You know, but I'm not going to get too far into every, anything right now. But you see it where there's one police commissioner, and then that guy sucks. He's a terrible police commissioner. So they replace him with another police commissioner, the same guy. He was in the same system, and then eventually they replace him with another police commissioner who is going to stand up and not cook the books and fake the stats. And they're like, okay, we'll just get rid of you and put somebody in that's going to do the job we want. So rewatching, you just pick up on more things, uh, and I. Like I said, every season, every time I rewatch, I'm like, oh, in the background, like in season five, when the newspaper story is going, the homeless murders are happening. There's a scene where it's either McNulty or the reporter goes under the bridge to the homeless area where all the homeless people are. And they talk to this guy. And it is a guy from season two that worked on the docks that is now homeless because the docks got shut down. Mm. So just the way that this show puts those little things in there, wraps everything up, shows like because of what happened in season two with the dock workers, this guy is now homeless and is affected by what has happened in the story. But and also I you just get another perspective. You know, I watched this back in college when I was, you know, whatever how old, and I watched a couple years later, and now I'm older again. You definitely start to rank things differently. So not to get too far ahead, but Season one is one whole storyline. When you get to season two, it is a totally different storyline. I mean, just totally different. And part of that was because H- the show didn't do well in season one. So HBO was like, we need to change the story and get new people. But when you first watch it, it's, show, it's so jarring to see season two and what is happening. And you're like, oh, I just got used to these people and like this storyline. And now we're at the docks with these other people. A lot of people, when they first rewatch it, hate season two rank season two as the worst season but i'm telling you if you go back and rewatch it season two is really good and it might not be as good as season three and four which i think are some of the best seasons but it's up there and there's not even season five i used to you know i i season five used to kind of shit on and not really like that much but rewatching it this time i had a newfound respect and love of season five so you just start to learn new things, pick up on new things, put things in a better perspective. And it's just really a connection of there's you know, drugs in one season, then the docs, then the gangs and the kids. But when you look at it as a whole, it's telling the story of Baltimore, of the police department, of these other sectors. But in general, it's telling the story of how all those things connect and how if there's a new drug kingpin, how that affects the police department how that affects the mayor's office, how that affects the newspaper. If things are happening on the docks, how does that affect the drug game? And it's just, 
it's just such a good story. It's such a well-done show. The writers, um, I'm sure you listened to the podcast way down the hole on The Ringer. They did a great job of giving you some of that background information on you know, the creator, David Simon, and, and the other people that were part creators of the show. But this show is loosely based on their life as detectives in Baltimore and some of the things that they encountered. Some of the people that are playing characters in this show are convicted felons that got out of prison. One of the guys that's on the show is loosely based on, is the guy that was based on Avon Barksdale. He's in the show as a deacon. Um, so it's, it's just, it's so cool. There's such a backstory. You know, you can watch it and be like, oh yeah, this show was, you know, it was great. But listening to that podcast, um, reading like you did, reading up on all the backstory on things, there's so much else that went into it that every time I watch it, I just pick up on something new. And I feel like I'm in a different mindset too when I watch it. Okay. Yeah, definitely. I, and I think my second high-level question before we get into the weeds, which I, I probably should have led with this, uh, but you kind of just hit on it and feel free to add on to this later. But the, my other big just general question was going to be, you know, why do you like this show? And I think you just hit a lot of points, but I think it's important that I probably should have led with this, but it's, I think it's important for all my people out there who maybe don't know what The Wire is and are listening to us and don't really care about the spoilers. Yeah. I think it is important to give a little bit of context here of what we're talking about. Okay. So in case that you don't know what The Wire is, I'm just going to read a quick when you Google search, this is what you're going to see, okay? This is a series that looks at narcotic scene in Baltimore through the eyes of law enforcement, as well as the drug dealers and users. Other facets of the city that are explored in this series are through government and the bureaucracy of schools and the news media. This show was created by former police reporter David Simon, who also wrote many of the episodes. And Ed Burns, who is also a co-creator and co-writer, also had some of this. So to Foshi's point, these are real, and this is why this show is so powerful to me. Honestly, I don't know if I've ever seen a show like this that when filming, it was so clear that they're not using sets. They're not using yeah. constructed things. They're, it's all in the city. It's all real. It's real people. It's real neighborhoods. It's real streets. It's real everything. It makes me wonder how crazy and hard it probably was to shoot and film all this. That's a whole nother side thing. Um, the other thing is, is I, I do want to hit on what you just said, which is the season breakdown. Okay. So you, as I read that intro, the first season is an overall ground laying season, but really focuses on the street level, the drug, the drug kingpins, the Barksdale organization, Avon Barksdale and his organization. Um, and then we move from there to the second season. So the season one is to, the whole thing is to get a wiretap on this drug or kingpin. Makes sense, right? Um, and then season two jumps away from that, still slightly connected, but really focuses on the blue collar you mentioned it, the port workers of Baltimore, the, all the ports and all the, the shipping and the unions, the blue collar unions and how that uh, system can be, you know, fundamentally corrupted. Um, and then for season three, we jump to a straight to polit politics and we go to a, 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 mayor, a mayoral race, I guess is, the, is yeah. the right way to say that. And we already know that if there's one area in, in the world that we live in, that's going to be probably corrupt. It's going to be the, pol the, the politicians and stuff. Then we jump back to season four, which personally was my favorite, I think, which was really looking at the education system, how corrupt the, the, the public and very just poor and minority driven system uh, that is not helping any of those people that are in the system and really affecting the youth and the lives that they will later live on to and look forward to because of this corruptness. Man, that was a whole nother level for me. And then we end on season five, which is kind of, jumping back to the drug game, but 
in another way, I guess, if you want to look at it like that. So just a little context there. And Foshi, I think you hit on it on, on just general, if I was to ask you, why do you like the show? But is there anything specifically, I mean, that you could, would add to that as far as like something that is a major driving point for you before we get into the, the, the specifics of the show or anything like that? Um, nothing, you know, too much that I haven't already hit on already, but just like I said, how real it is, how like you said, powerful, it's just a powerful show. There's a lot of moments in that where you're like, you just, you know, a lot of things don't get better. A lot of things just continuous in this cycle of really bad for all these people. Um, but it's just so real and raw and powerful. And, you know, even as the seasons move along, there's always a connection to the city of Baltimore and to the drug game, you know, even as we go to season two with the docs, there's still the drugs are coming in through the docs. Those people are selling the drugs to the kingpins. Um, it, it, there's just always a connection to that and the background of that. But yeah, I just, it's probably, you know, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of great shows. Like we've talked about lost breaking bad uh, entourage is one of my favorites and the wire and all those, but this is probably one of the most real shows that I think you can watch just from a, it's everything in the show. It's like, you might not live that you might not be in Baltimore, exactly. you not, not, might not be on the streets, but man, when some of that stuff has happened to these characters, you're like, there are people out there that this is happening to that are in this cycle, cycle stuck on. And it doesn't, I think one of the most power, one of the best things about it is it doesn't pretty up the picture. You know, you see characters die of overdoses. You see characters going through drug rehab. You see characters, that have killed people because they want to do drugs and, and spend their money on drugs. You see how the police department is corrupt and doing those type of things. And they're only worried about one thing, but on the background, there's all this other stuff happening. So I just don't think, no, I, of course I haven't seen every TV show out there, but I just don't think there's another show that's as real and doesn't it's raw. It's gritty. It doesn't paint everything in a good light. The show really, there's not many good things that happen to be honest to the characters at the end, there's only maybe like one or two characters when the show ends where it's like, Oh, that person actually got better from the beginning or that person is the same. Most of the time it's, Oh, that person ended up in a worse situation than they are than they were before. So yeah, I, I just think it's, um, it's so real. It's so raw, powerful, and it doesn't just paint everything as okay or good. Yeah. And I think to your point, I think it's important for everyone to know. I mean, this is a show that now, has has college courses taught after it. We're talking about TED Talks, seminars, organizations, ch charitable organizations are made were, were made and directly spawned from this. We're talking overall awareness, just overall people like me and Foshi who, you know, just have been, the one takeaway that I've had from this, Foshi, like an overall personal takeaway is I, I felt so grateful uh, because of the systems that we're talking about here, a lot of these are systems that these people and these characters that we are watching don't necessarily have a choice. I think that's why season four really impacted me. We're talking about yeah. these children who are just, they're just young. They're just living life. Yeah. And it's just the life that they were born into. And now they're into this system, this, that, 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 that you know, street life versus education life. And it's like, why stay in school when all of yeah. this is out here and you can actually make money, progress, provide for yourself, your family. These are things that on a fundamental and overall level, just, make sense. And so one thing that I took away was just being like, wow, man, if there's anything to like, I don't know if I've had a, ever had a show, make myself look at the life that I've had and, and kind of be like, wow, 
how lucky and blessed, you know, blessed we are, you know, because like you said, this is real. There's real people out there. There's real things. Uh, these real systems are, are in place. Real people going through these systems. So it's crazy, man. And 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 I think that's why this this, this show uh, has is at the top of those lists. Like I said, it's because I don't know if there's another show that can 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 show that. And it's crazy that you know even sitting here talking, it started 18 years ago from from where we're at today, and still as prevalent as ever. I mean, I I watched it for the first time this year in 2020, and everything you know. And this is what this is what the podcast everyone Foshe mentioned. If you have watched The Wire and you are interested in doing a rewatch, I do highly suggest the podcast that Foshi mentioned, which is uh, from the Ringer Network, Down in the Hole with uh, Jamel Hill and Van Lathan. I have been cruising this week. Foshi, I texted you and I said, I have been setting records on this, okay? So they break down every episode and then they have a bonus season, uh, episode for each season for where they give awards. They do great things like they break down every episode. They say, who's the winners? Who's the losers? What are your favorite scenes? What, what is still prevalent today? What's not? What has aged well? All of these things. So I'm already at the start of season five of that episode. Mm. Week. So I have been cruising nice. on two yeah. times speed, man. You can, you can knock these things <laughs> out. And it's really good. And they have some really great chemistry. And they are so good at breaking down these characters much deeper than we're going to. I'm just going to be honest with you right at the bat. Okay. But I want to get into some specifics here. Okay. So now we're going to get crossover our general wire intro knowledge to the wire people, the people who have seen it, the people who maybe don't even um, or are planning to rewatch it again or planning to, to, you know, I don't know, watch for the first time. If that's the case, this is your real, real spoiler here. You know, you could have got by with what Foshi was saying, but you won't from this point on. Okay? Yeah. So I, I want to get into it. Foshi. All right. Okay. So overall, we talked about some general things. Okay. First question to you, favorite season, least favorite season. You've watched it a few times. Where, where are you at? Yeah, so I actually have, I was going to ask you this question too. My season ranking is, so I have one through five written down. Mm. Um, mm. And I feel like I wrote this out before season, f- I started season five, but I'm going to stick with it. So my favorite season is, it's, it's tough between season three and four, but I'm going with season four is my favorite. Oh, uh, Season three is number two. Yes. Season one is three. Season two is four. And then season five is five. Um, but I think when I, I actually might agree with you, to be honest with you. When I, put those, when I put those rankings out, though, like, it's not like, a, I wouldn't say, you know, even as the, the third rewatch, and I feel like this is one of the perks of rewatching it again and again, is if you were to ask me this question right after the first time I watched it, I for sure would have said, like, season five and season two are the worst. Like, I could live without those seasons. But I've, I said it previously, but rewatching, just you get a newfound respect and understanding of those seasons, I feel like. So even as I have season four is number one and season five is number five, it's not like there's a huge gap between those seasons. I mean, it's they're really close. And I feel like you can't have it's a, you know, H, it's an HBO show, so each season there's only 60 episodes for 5 seasons, so it's not, you know, not bad at all about an hour each episode, but it's not like, you know, I don't think you could cut off season 5 and then be like season 1, 2, 3 and 4, those are the, you know, I could just live with those. I think you just got to have them all. And I know in that podcast that you, we were talking about they mentioned a couple times where they're like, oh yeah, they ended it this way because they weren't sure if they were going to get renewed again. So right. very interesting when you watch it and you're like, oh, I didn't know that until listening to this podcast that they were like, yeah, we're going to cancel and probably not come back. So we're just going to end it this way. But four, three, one, two, five is my ranking. I'm with you. Okay. And, but not all the way. I'm, I'm with you on the rankings. The problem with, and you can, anyone out there can go look this up if you didn't know this already. But the big 
jump for season two, Foshi hit on it. It's a big topic of conversation. No matter where I looked and researched, this was it. Was because season one was what people would consider an African-American or a black show. And then yeah. we go from there to season two, which is the ports. blue. It's all white people. They still touch base with the, some of the people from season one, but it largely turns into all white. And that was a big, big deal. Yeah. Mainly one, because the cast members even felt kind of betrayed. You know, a lot of these interviews and articles that you'll come across, these are the star actors that we come to know today. were not happy with that season. They were like, what you guys are turning this to a white show. Now, creators uh, David Simon and Ed Burns still to this day, I think, claim like, hey, this is all part of the story. We're painting this picture. But Jamel and Van, they, they do break this down. And I read this myself. There's a big conspiracy still that, hey, listen, the highest rating seasons out of this is number two on HBO. So whether he had a plan or not, there is no denying that the major, the most white season was the highest. I think that says something about TV overall, the industry the viewership. So there was a, a little bit of a dynamic thing going on there. Okay. Now, with that being said, I will say this. I didn't think season two was a bad season. I think it has bad hype because of that, because we set up this foundation with all these characters that we are like, Ooh, I can't wait to see these people go in. And then you don't, you, you, yeah. you, you switch <laughs> up to a whole nother area, a whole nother world. Now in the scheme of five seasons. Okay. You can look back and say, now nah, that was, that was, uh, you know, some 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 ground floor laying, but just over here, not over there. Sure. But in the scheme of things, I have a problem still. That I do yes, it connects the whole story, but not really. Not enough for me. Okay. That that's my problem. Season two is fine. But I just don't think I think that if you didn't have season two, you'd be absolutely fine. And I'll be honest with you. I don't think we needed season five. I really don't. I was not see. The only thing that I liked about season five was like the last three episodes. I'll be honest with you. I did not like season five. And this is my first time watching. I'm a first time watcher. The podcast and articles that I've read, the same thing says kind of what you're saying, honestly, is that like first you, you don't like it, which was where I'm at. And then you, the more you watch it, the more you realize like, eh, it's not that bad. I just have a severe problem. And as I was watching it, I could not get around the staging of the murders that, that, that not only McNulty was doing, but I just, there's no way that I could believe from the character of Lester that I knew up to that point, I could never envision a scenario where he would just be okay with that. And I know that he was so driven to pop, to, to, to pop that same case like McNulty, but he has been one of the driving forces of like correct police work, being a, 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 what we would consider a good police officer. And then he's just like, yeah, I'm in. Like, let's do this. The, the stuff that I heard and, and watched was that the problem was with the, with the, and I should say that really season five, what it is, honestly, is not really back to street life. It's more about the, the media's involvement and, and, and publicity aspect about how that affects the systems. I think a lot of people had a problem with how like the newsroom and, and then, cause we, what we do is we really, we follow the Baltimore sun newspaper and, and, and some of their inner workings with things. And I think that's a lot of problem, but I just had a problem with the actual, like, setting up and staging of the murders. I mean, you watching them back again, specifically on the staging of season five like that. You feel like that kind of makes sense? Like, where are you at on that? Yeah, so I definitely get where you're coming from, for sure. And it'll be interesting once you listen to the way down to the whole season five, because they touch on Lester about how he changes. And I think it's interesting because as the show goes on, some of the first characters move on, but you see people mold into those old characters. So 
I think Lester just gets so, you know, at the beginning of the show, he tells McNulty, like, no case is worth, you know, the, the case isn't the job. But I think he is so concerned with getting Marlo, Marlo Stanfield, the drug kingpin, that he just doesn't heed his own warnings and starts to actually like turn into McNulty kind of and change and wants to just get this one last case. So that is his case. And it could be the one case that he got that he brought in. That's the huge biggest case that Baltimore's ever done, which is an interesting point, but I definitely, you know, I definitely understand where you're coming from and see the issues too. I, I think I was the same way after the first watch, maybe even after the second watch, I wasn't super into season five, but watching it this time with the podcast, and getting a little bit more detail on the background, um, I think it becomes a little bit more of a better season when you hear some of those things. But I definitely don't understand it and get where you're coming from because it is. Well, it, I think that's I, my point. I think I think you hit my point right there. Actually, it was that like Lester, all, the, the the four seasons before that, we have known that literally he, everyone views McNulty because the whole thing about McNulty, right, is that he is actually a good police officer yeah. in the in the form of investigating and finding things but he dives so hard into it that he literally forgets about all of the all other parts of his life and becomes this bumbling rambling like just drunk yeah guy <laughs> alcoholic this functioning alcoholic uh who is only set on fix on, on solving the case to prove to everyone else that he's the smartest the best and that he can do it Lester has in Lester most of the four seasons is like looking at him like everybody else who's saying this guy's a psychopath like what what is wrong with this guy and then all of a sudden we just see him flip and there's no even connection to him admitting ah yeah I think I've like the bit the bug bit me and now I'm like you know turning to me because that's my other problem with season four we see McNulty who is you know basically like a street patrolman he's the happiest he's ever been he's quit drinking he has a life changed he's dating BD, which is another, pro I have a problem with that. And <laughs> then all of a sudden season five happens, they get back on the wire and then he light switch flips into this alcoholic and whatever. And I'm not saying it's not possible, but I just have a hard time that if Lester was to see it happen again like that, that he would just jump on board and, 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 and kind of just play ball. And the other thing too, is that Lester has already said he doesn't, he's not in this for the big cases. He doesn't care. Like he's kind of like, yeah, I'm already on kind of on my way out. You know, I'm just like chilling. I'm hanging out and I don't really care. That doesn't mean that he doesn't care about the cases because he does. He gets very involved, but he's never been one to be like, we're on top of the biggest case ever that will jump. So I just have a hard time connecting those dots, I guess. Yeah. Um, I think it's, you know, all good, all good points for sure. And I think it's just perspective on, you know, how each person watches it. But I think he sees, you know, the Barksdales, of course, were horrible people, horrible for the city. But I think he sees Marlo as even worse than them. Like the Barksdales at least kind of had rules and things that they abided by. When with Marlo, it's he doesn't care about anybody. He's just in it for himself, make as much money as he wants. He wants to be the king. He wants people to know who he is. Yeah. So I think that kind of switches things. Um but That's yeah, and I think point. and I think I mean maybe do do you think, Foshi, that he is just so do you think that maybe the urgency and the level of this is since Marlo is such a terror that it's just like we have to actually like get him off of the street, it's almost, do you think that it's more of like, because of that level above the Barksdale organization that we're used to of just savageness, people are dropping like flies out there. They come across all the murders in the, in the mm -hmm. vacant housing. Do you think that that escalates? Cause that actually kind of makes sense where it might escalate him to this next level of like, we just have to get this guy off the street. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's so when I when I looked at it, that's where I look at it from is there were twenty two bodies in the vacants that they know of, but it's just it's he doesn't care. He's killing drug kingpins, he's killing everybody, he's not in the co op, he wants to do his own thing. And I think another part of it to look at is too, is like you said, that Lester's on his way out. He's been on the department for a while. He's an older guy. He makes these little dollhouse figurines. And I think at one point in the show, he actually says he makes more from those than he does actually yeah. doing police work. <laughs> So I think yeah. he sees Marlo as what he is. And then he's also like, well, if this goes south, it doesn't really matter for me. I can just make these dollhouse figurines, mm. you know, be with Chardine who, you know, shout out to Lester for getting her somehow. That was, yeah, <laughs> that, that, that's just yeah. like an amazing pull. But uh, yeah, I think he's just like, he's on his way out. He sees what Marlo is and he still has an income source. So he's like, okay, fuck it. Let's just go. You know, let's just get this guy on the street. Anything, any way possible to, to try to, turn this and get Baltimore at least back to the with the Barksdales it was you know terrible and awful but Marlo is taking it a whole other step and is just killing anybody there's no reason he'll kill anybody because somebody said bad about him that's how I look at it yeah no I think that's a good point that's fair that is um the other thing that I want to ask you about before we start getting into characters and we start getting about the actors and, and all the people who have done just amazing things with the show honestly the other question that I have for you Foshi is going into this show and I texted you about this. I had a hard time with season one uh, because what it felt like, first of all, this is very much a show. It has plenty of action. And the action scenes, though, are not the driving point. There's a lot of, it is all talking. And this is a show that if you miss one sentence, if you miss one shot, you could potentially be so far out of the loop of the story that you're like, wait a second. Or you can still stay in the story. This happened to me a lot. You can stay in the story, in the scheme of things, but the details are what really drive home the oh and the ah, uh, 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 you know, I missed a few of those. Luckily, I did my research in the, in the podcast afterwards to help, you know, down the hole really helped me come across those. But this is a show that you kind of have to be there. You have to be super present, super focused. Yeah. And so what happened was, was watching season one, what I thought this show was without knowing any other context. And by the way, you know, I do my best to stay away from the Google, Twitter, all that stuff while I'm watching. It just felt like a cop show. It felt like a, a, a normal cop show, which I don't really do cop shows. This show, by the way, I just want everyone to know that this is so far from a cop show, in my opinion. It really is. There is a lot of cop aspects, but the way that it was very, so interesting to me that the way that they phrase and stage all these people, and, and, and especially in special one, or sorry, season one, you know, a lot of times these cops are, they're, make, they're, they're presented as just kind of like, idiots or uh you know hoosiers doing terrible things and beating people up and breaking the rules and we see people stealing money and corruptness and covering for each other and all of these things and i was like okay you know like i i see you but like when's the ball gonna get rolling here and honestly looking back now i actually don't think once i get past like episode five you know halfway through the season once we start really focusing on the Barksdale organization, the people in the project, we started spending more on Wallace and Bodie and all of these street-level kind of dealers. I really love that stuff. I just hated all of the early setting with the cop talking. And you have to, but looking back now, it is vital and it's important because you need to know who is corrupt, who's doing what behind the, behind the scenes, right? These are not the officers that we're dealing with. These are their chiefs, their lieutenants, their corporate commander, whoever it is, all the way up to season three leads up to the mayor who 
you know, it's all in touch. And on top of all of that, there is some kind of running joke that I wanted to talk to you about, about these seasons being slow, especially season one. Yeah. I know I want to say, and maybe a nine one, uh, Brooklyn, nine one, one nine, 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 or, uh, maybe it was, um, what's the other show that we watched recently with Joe McHale and community community. Thank you. Another media. There's always like a, there's like a joke of, Oh yeah. Season one, like season one of the wire, like slow, like season one of the wire. Yeah. How do you react to, to those kinds of like, the, you know, the, the jokes like that now? Yeah. So it, it's definitely a thing. I think. And me, I should say, and, and, and dealing, sorry to cut you off and dealing with me. Like, <laughs> cause I, I had some serious reserves there. How long, you know, it took me season one yeah. took me, I would say almost a month just because I didn't want to go back to it. I just, I wasn't super interested in it, but once that ball got rolling and once I realized that those puzzles had to be put together to move forward, I was all the way in. I just, I don't know. Do you deal with other people like me and other media? I guess these jokes that are kind of like, it just takes a while to kind of get, get in to it. Yeah. So to, to the couple points there that it's definitely a show that you can't be on your phone. You can't, you know, you got to put your phone down. I know it's really hard for people now is to watch a TV show and not have your phone, not be scrolling through Twitter or, you know, if things aren't going how you expect them to. It's definitely a show you have to pay attention to because in those early episodes of every season, they're building things that are going to come back at the end of that season or two seasons down the line. But yeah, it, I remember when we, we used, I used to text you about the wire and be like, Oh, how's the wire going? Where are you at? And you'd be like, season you know episode four of season one i was like he's not gonna make it he's gonna quit out and then a couple weeks later i asked you or you just brought it up and you're like oh yeah i'm on season three and i was like damn that came out of nowhere i was fully expecting you to struggle with the beginning of season one get through season one and then go to season two and be like what the hell happened like where are we now but you blew through season two but yeah it, it's a it's an ongoing running joke with a lot of different people on a lot of other tv shows that season one because most shows you start it's usually maybe two or three episodes in that they're building those things but as they're building things are kind of starting to happen with the wire it's totally different like you said it's the first five season five episodes of five six episodes of season one they're building those things they're showing you these characters who they are but it's all like you said really important stuff to where you might spend time with mcnulty and bunk and but then they go talk to rawls their lieutenant and you're like oh this guy's like an extra an actual piece of shit. So that's where you see like just how the pieces like the book that I'm getting, I'm reading all the pieces matter. Everything fits in together and everything matters. Rawls is a piece of shit. Jay Lansman is a piece of shit. So that it rolls down into all these detectives that are doing their job, but they're just, nobody cares. And all they care about is the stats and the, getting the stats down. So that that's how every season one for sure starts. And you learn about the drug game. You learn about Avon and Stringer and all of their people that are underneath them a little bit. But like you said, once it hits, it really hits and really starts going. And I feel like every season kind of has that where the first two or three episodes, it's like, oh man, it's kind of, we're kind of back to this where it's super slow. But once you get through it, man, I mean, it really picks up. You just gotta, you gotta stick with it and you gotta keep going. I feel like it's, yeah. it's so easy to say that. Yeah. And, and honestly, that was the same issue I had with Breaking Bad, right? You know, I tried the yeah. first season and I was like, man, I don't know. And then I did it again. I was like, ah, you know, and third time I was like, I don't care. I'm pushing through. Mm -hmm. That was not the case here though. Okay. I, I want to be clear. This was not like I put all the way down and I cannot, I'm going to force my way through this. No, that was, that, this was not that way. I would say that what really happened, I think is about, I want to say season 
one, it, it was very slow until we get to, I don't really know for sure, but I want to say even maybe ha- after halfway, maybe six, seven. Yeah. And then from there, we go to season two, which did make me step, it confused me. Like, I'm not going to lie. I knew nothing about it. I was like, wait, what? what is going on? This is a totally <laughs> different show. What's happening? Right? Season two, I kind of got through, but then I'm, three and four, I think I rolled, I mean, I rolled through. And I mean, I, I'm talking like a week. I mean, maybe. I was like, Boom, 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 boom. And then five was just because I was still I was still rolling because I wanted to finish it out, but I wasn't enjoying it anywhere near yeah. three and four. I was like, dude, I, so it was almost like a slow start. And then I crunched, like just bashed a bunch out and then slowly trickled out to the end, you know? And I knew that you were watching them too. So I wonder if that is more of a common kind of watch flow, if that makes sense. But yeah, you know, who knows? Yeah, I, I think, like I said, I think three and four are for sure the, a lot of people's one and two seasons and then everything else between that is, is a little, you know, depending on ranking, but yeah, it's just so interesting. You know, like I said, I feel like I watch it all the time and I just pick up on different things and I feel like, um, I definitely picked up on more like this, this time around watching, I feel like I picked up more on the kids and who they're actually becoming. So we'll get Mm -hmm. to them, but like, Mm -hmm. Oh, this character is, you know, a great school, an eighth grade kid what path are they going down? Are they going to mm-hmm. be Omar? Are they going to be Bubbles? Are they going to be a drug kingpin? Are they going to be a corner boy? It, that was something I'd never really thought about. So watching it this time, I just feel like I picked up on a little bit more of those background details and things that just really put it all together for me. Yeah, so let's, let's, let's jump to that level. Let's jump to the characters. Let's start talking about some of the actors, actresses, the characters, all that good stuff. Okay, so just high level. Let's talk about a few people here that really kind of made the show who they were, which by the way, I want to I fully admit I there for me there was some very standout people like Idris Elba who was who str- his character Stringer Bell he I I thought he was absolutely amazing I really <laughs> did I thought I thought Idris was just an absolute acting wise was just a killer uh, we have uh, Michael K Williams as Omar which is mm. probably a fan favorite character I would assume yeah. he also was just an absolute killer Dominic West as the lead the main lead as Jimmy McNulty I had never seen anything else from Dominic West. To me, he was just like, oh, that that guy. At first, I thought, I actually texted you, and I think I told you that. <laughs> I did not think he was good at acting. In the yeah. beginning of the show, I was like, this guy's not a good actor. I don't understand. The more I watched it, I realized he was actually very good, and I was wrong about that. So, I, uh, Dominic, you know, if you, if you hear this, man, I, <laughs> I apologize. I don't know what it was. The first season, the, maybe it was the way he was talking, because I found out afterwards that he was British. I didn't know that. So, he was doing this Baltimore accent. that from I, I don't know what it was, but it was weird to me. We also have people like... Um, you know, um, Lance Riddick as Cedric Daniels or uh, Lieutenant yeah, Daniels. Um, dude's just a beast. Uh, Wood Harris as Avon Barksdale. I mean, just an absolute another killer, man. Um, we have people like uh, Lawrence Gillard as D'Angelo, who D was just killer, man. It's just awesome. Um, Michael B. Jordan, a young Michael B. Mm. Jordan as Wallace, which, man, we're going to talk about that in a little bit. Jamie Hector <laughs> as Marlo was amazing. J.D. Williams as Brody. People love Brody. We have um, the uh, Carcetti, uh, Littlefinger. Little yeah, I don't finger, even know. Yeah. You don't even know. You don't need to know his real name. It's just his little finger. Snoop, your girl Snoop, Felicia mm. Pearson, who was one of those real life people that, that you, I'm sure we'll talk about, talk about that in a little bit. Um, I, and the list goes on and on. Tristan Wilds as, as, uh, as Michael. Yeah. Man, the, the list goes on. These are a lot of people that today, you might be like, uh, uh, oh, that person. 
But some of these people have gone to do major, major things. Michael K. Williams, Idris Elba, Dominic West, Wood Harris especially have gigantic careers and are amazing and all these things. But man, together in this show are next level. So, Boshi, question to you. Actor, actress-wise, who do you think performance-wise, if you think, man, if you lay out one, two, just from an acting standpoint, who's going to come to the top of the list? And then sub-question, 1A underneath that. I got to know one, two, three characters. Who, 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 lines out, who lines out your overall characters from the show? Okay, so I, I have a lot of questions for characters for you. I have a list, and I just want, eventually, I, after we get through this point, I'm just going to list them out, and you're going to rank them one through 10. You're going to give me a rating one through 10. 10 is the best, one is the worst. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's so many good character, like characters and actors in the show that really made, you know, we, we were talking about this a couple weeks ago. We're like, I actually said like, oh, you know, you look at the show, there's not many people that came out of this show that are doing things now. But then we started running down the list and it's like, oh, all these people are doing things now. Maybe they're not the biggest actors in the world, but they're all working. They're all really popular. Everybody loves them. Um, some of like, I guess actor wise, I'll hit actor wise first before I get to characters. Um, looking at the list, I mean, I got Lance Reddick as Daniels is so good. Uh, Andre Royo Royo as Bubbles is incredible, and Michael K. Williams as Omar are probably like my three favorite just actors that that turned out in this show. Um, did you know that there are one, two, three, eight characters that were in every episode of The Wire? Apparently, no, that's insane. That that's that's insane to me. Which is very strange. And some of them are so McNulty, obviously Rawls, Rhonda Perlman, uh, Bunk, Daniels, Kima. Carver. Rhonda's in every episode. According to IMDb, she's in she's she, in 60 episodes. I had never seen anything with her before, but she was great. She yeah, was she's, really yeah. great. Yeah, she's amazing. Carver's in every episode. And then Herc apparently is in every episode as well. So Oh, don't even <laughs> we're gonna get to that before. Don't get on that. Uh to hit you with my two two or three it's so hard to just two or three favorite characters, but Bodhi is up there for sure. Bubbles is up there yes. for sure. Yes. And then it's got to be like a tie between Snoop and Slim Charles, probably like as my number three favorite Ooh. characters. Like they're not even okay. in it that often, okay. but man, when you get to the seasons with those characters in the show, I feel like it just really takes off. And I absolutely love those characters. Well, I do have a couple sub questions that I think will fit right into your wheelhouse on that side okay. of things. For me, I would say this character wise, I think my all-time favorite of the whole show is Bubbles. I absolutely love Bubbles. I do. And, you know, listen, Omar and Michael K. Williams, just beast level, honestly. But I really found myself questioning and really, really thoroughly impressed with Lance Riddick and Cedric, uh, Cedric Daniels. Yeah. I, I thought for, for him to be as mean and as straight, facing forward and on top of that though to also have this level of he is a team guy that is his team and even if they completely shit the bed his team and he's got their back and for somebody as he had to show up and completely fucked up and it is terrible but that's my guy like that is a hard Thing to do and he did it so well I was so impressed with Lance Reddick man I really was and I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing everybody's names I'm really bad with names 
to that point, though, we already mentioned, I think we should just honestly set, to be honest, like Dominic West, I already named these people. Yeah. yeah. Michael K. Williams, Idris Elbow, and um, Wood Harris should just kind of be in their own category. I think that, I think they're just clear, like next above personal, personally. But man, Bubbles and Lieutenant Daniels, like they're right there with me. And I got to be honest with you, at first, I did not like Bunk. I mm. didn't. But I came to grow on me on Bunk. It really did. I, I do. I do look looking back now. I do like Bunk. There's still a lot of things that I don't like, <laughs> and I don't think that he would ever be at the top of my list. But he's definitely up there. And and I'm glad you said Rhonda because Rhonda, man, she was a killer. She was an absolute killer in this show. Yeah. Well, it's you know I have IMDb pulled up and I'm just scrolling through and there's so many characters that are in 20, 25 episodes of the show. You know, you have Cuddy, you have Bunny Colvin, you have Chris Partlow, you have. Dookie, you have Michael, you have uh, all the kids, Weebay. I mean, just so many characters that are so important to the show that were in 15, 20 episodes, but you're like, that guy was in like the whole season, you know? Wasn't he in like two seasons of the show? And they were all, like, I couldn't name, I don't think I could say like one person was like a bad actor in the show. Like, sure, there were characters that I hated that I didn't like, but that was the point, you know, that they're just, maybe, like, maybe, I don't know, I guess thinking of it, maybe BD wasn't like a great actor, actor character, but you know, there's not really anybody where I'm like, Oh, that person was like really bad. And just like, it really didn't work. So it's, it's so funny. So, yeah. And I think, I think a good example of that is even, and I think this goes back to the point that we've already said, I think this show was built upon real life, real city, real people. I mean, one of those people is Snoop. Like, let's be honest. Snoop is not a killer actress, right? But Snoop is a real person. She's a real person who plays a hitman. Uh, a hit person, however you want to put it, and who in real life went to prison for murder charges, I believe, and <laughs> yeah. did time and came out and was like, hey, do you want to play this person who kind of was you? Yes. And she does it who she is. So, like, would I say that she needs to be up for an award? No. But did she do a great job? Absolutely. You know? Yeah. But she was also, in a lot of ways, was just kind of being herself, you know, in a lot of ways, which is, that's a strong suit of the show. There's a lot of people in here who were actual criminals, who were actually did time, who actually have gone through somewhat of the same situations, which that's what makes this all dynamic. And even the more that I keep looking at these articles and these interviews and all of these things in the cast, there's a real bond of these people like this show because of, I think how real it was and how serious and, and how, you know, connected it is to our real life. There's a real bond here. So Foshi, here's another question for you. This is one I wrote down. Who was your MVP character-wise, though? And this is not your favorite. This is not uh, who did the best acting. This is for the storyline-wise goes. Who, if I said, do you think your MVP is overall? Who do you think that would be? It's mm, a very great question. Um, I, I think it comes down to two, between two people. And I feel like we've talked about him a lot. And I think it's Daniels. He stood up for what he believed in. Wasn't going to, you know, even when he became commissioner, wasn't putting up with anybody's shit. Said he was going to keep the numbers real. They, he, they said, okay, well then fine. You can go. We'll find somebody else. And he said, okay, fine. I'll just go. You know, he has a law degree. So he became a lawyer. Um, but like you said, always stood up for his people. No matter if he knew they messed up or anything, he was there for him. And then I think the other choice is Bubbles for sure. Um, I'm with I you. Mean, I'm with he's, you. He's really, at the beginning, you know, I talked about, there's probably one or two characters that actually have a positive storyline in the show. And Bubbles is number one for sure. The guy is, I mean, 
one of the saddest, most, I mean, just downright depressing storylines from beginning to the end of, to up until the end of season five, when he finally, you know, gets things together and starts being a better person. Um, but yeah, it's probably bubbles. And there's a story in all the things matter the book, apparently where the actor Andre Royo or R O Y O. I'm not sure how to pronounce his name, but apparently that he told David Simon and the writers that he would try cocaine or try heroin crack and all that stuff just so he could see how people acted when they were on, on drugs. Mm. And they were like, no, you don't have to do that. Like you could, you know, <laughs> you don't have to go through all that. But man, that guy, I mean, just a, I mean, an incredible storyline, an incredible arc. It, it's just, it's so, you know, the time you feel all the emotions of the show, you laugh, you cry, you get angry, you get upset. And he covers all of those. And I feel like he's probably the character the most where you're like, man, I just, this guy, I need, I want this. You're pulling for him the most probably. You're like, I need, this guy needs to get together. I really want this person to turn out. And there's a lot of times where he's down on his luck. He's down in, you know, down in the worst of worst. And you're like, I don't think he's coming out of this. There's no chance. But then, you know, pulls himself up, figures it out. So Bubbles is probably the MVP for me. I actually, this is this is hilarious because I just want everyone to know we have not talked about this before, but I, I would also, my, my pick is Bubbles. It, it, it really is. Not only for it to be the person who comes out on a good end of things, but he's a huge catalyst for all, the, the wire is set up because of him, okay? Mm-hmm. He decides that he is going to go to the police when his friend is brutally beaten, right? And then he, all the, he combined with all of the things that he sees on the streets, he's the one that goes to police. He's the one that sets up the strategy for the police to actually engage to start the investigation. So not only is he just some crackhead that's walking down the street, he drives a lot of these investigations. He's someone that they constantly rely on throughout the series. And he's one who has no shame to go to the police because he's, in better terms, wants to better just life. And I know at first it doesn't seem like that, but when you look back at everything in the full arc that you talked about, you really get a sense that the reason that he's doing this a lot of times is because it's just so savage out there in the streets. Like these people need to be brought to justice. And honestly, the police officers don't even have that kind of sense. They do yeah. in the end, but they sure as hell don't have that to start out with. Bubbles is the man and Bubbles for me is the MVP. So I'm with you on that. Okay. Can I ask you a couple more questions? You want to keep going in? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. All right. Um, who favorite bosses? Characters. Who we're talking characters now. Who's your favorite boss? Okay, so that would be like Daniels, Landsman, Rawls. No, street like boss. Drunk, I'm sorry. We're talking okay. Marlowe, Avon, Stringer, uh, Prop Joe, the Greeks, if you want to go that route. Okay. I want I want the criminal bosses. Okay. Um, so out of those couple, I mean, definitely not Marlowe. Uh, because I feel like, you know. Great, great character. Great acted guy. I'm kind of looking at this like, who would I want to work with? Who would I want to work right. under? Possibly. Right. Not right. Marlo. I feel like he would just kill me for no reason if I said something out of turn. Um, Stringer is okay. Stringer's cool. Prop Joe. I, I feel like I love Prop Joe. He just kind of like, you know, does his own thing. and runs his own shop and all that. But I think I'm going to go with, with Avon. I just like how Avon carries himself. He seems like a, you know, if you fuck up then yeah you're gonna hear about it but if you're doing a great job you're getting the work done you're selling you know you're making your making money for him then you're cool he's gonna he's gonna be okay with you so i, I think i would say Avon. i'm with you too i think that uh this is another one that i agree with you with i i, I cannot stand prop joe he's 
the reason he's prop Joe is because he makes a prop with you yeah. and then he'll make a prop with the other person about you. He's, he's sketchy. I have a snake. Mar- yeah. yeah Marlo's just an absolute savage. He doesn't care about anybody or anything. It's kill, kill, kill. No, no thanks. And Stringer and Avon would be close to each other, but Stringer is just, you know, is also shady. We see that through all the things that he does. I, I, I'm with Avon and especially because a very highlighted moment. He's the only one in my mind that actually shows a glimpse of, um, I don't want to say gratitude, but a glimpse of like kindness or I got you. And that is when, um, uh, I forget what the, man, I'm sorry. Some, sometimes character names kind of, kind of escape me, but the boxer, uh, the post, buddy, yeah. thank you. When he goes and asks for the money, Avon's like, yeah, no problem, man. You want to start yeah. this thing for the kids? Like, go ahead. <laughs> I don't think anybody else would have said that. I don't think any of them would have said that. You know, Prop Joe would have said, yeah, you get that, but I want interest for every, you know, he would have gave like a, I I think a Prop Joe as uh, Mr. Wonderful from Shark Tank. Okay, I know he's trying to talk about something. (laughs) He always wants those damn royalty deals. Nobody does that shit. You know what I mean? Like, calm down. So I'm with you on that. Okay. Favorite hitmen out of all the hitmen, all the killers in this show. Who you got? Uh, So I think it goes... I mean, Chris is just an absolute, I mean, just a savage, a maniac, a, just a crazy person, but I love him. He's so well acted. He's so great. Um, I think I'm going Snoop. She's one of my like just favorite characters for sure. The scene with her in the hardware store where she's buying the nail gun is like one of the best scenes ever. All time. It's so All great. Uh, and like you said, she's, she's a convicted felon and just basically acted, seemed like herself. Uh, love the way she carries herself. Love the way she talks, the things she says. It's so funny. She kills me every time. But uh, I mean, such a so Snoop is probably my number one. I mean, such a a, just a a downer in season five when when she when she goes. But man, I do love Snoop. Yeah, R.I.P. R.I.P. Even though it's like weird because this is why I love this show. You end up rooting for that person who has (laughs) killed so many people for no reason. She never asks why. She just says, "Oh, green light on so and so." Okay, but in the end, that's why this show is so powerful because you see that that's not necessarily she's not a terrible, like she's not just a cold blooded person like Marlo is. She's just doing her job and that's what she knows, but that's the life that she had. Like she was brought into that life, you know? And that's what this system has taught and showed her that like, go to school. We got you over here. Just do this. You know, hang out, kill some people and we'll, we'll make you some money, you know? And that's what the thing, that's why this show is so amazing is because you end up rooting for these people that are like doing terrible, terrible things. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. I think that Snoop is probably a big fan favorite. I think a lot of people would also say Michael after, you know, yeah. his progression, what happens. I, I got to be honest with you, though. Michael's a smart kid, but I was never really a Michael fan. I got to be honest with you. I don't, I got, I got problems. And I know he has his own problems and all that stuff. But that's beside the point. I also love Snoop. Um, who would I pick, though? Probably Snoop. But man, Chris, you know, from an acting standpoint, I think a lot of people could look at Chris. And I, who, I need to shout out his real name. Um, and and yeah, this is, like, I'm sorry if I mispronounce this. I really, yeah, I, really I don't know do, how to but, say that one. Uh, Gibenja Akingbe, maybe. Um, he has a, another level of somebody that I haven't seen do this in a long time. And he is a man of few words, but yeah. he acts with this coldness. And I think Down on the Wire, the podcast, they do a great job of presenting him as something that you can just clearly tell that he has had a troubled life before he went into the street life. And he is just a cold-blooded person who also is not like the worst person in the world necessarily does terrible things, but also is just just lives with this silent coldness, which is really hard to portray, I think. So I think he did a great job. Like, shout out to that dude. All right, what about this? Uh, favorite street workers, street level. And this covers the whole span of the show, Foshi. 
This is easy for me. First person that really? comes to mind, like, is one of my favorite characters. Who is Bo- is Bodie? Wow, I, I think Bodie's Bodhi. also a huge fan favorite. Tell me why you love Bodie so much. I I think you see his progression through the show. He's you know at first he's just, and I think going back to season one is such an important scene and one of those early episodes. I think is the chess scene with mm. with uh, Bodie and D'Angelo and Wallace and. I can't remember if Poot is there or not, but they're talking yep. about, you know, talking about chess and yep. they're basically like, you know, they're just street level guys. They're just selling then they make the money for everybody else. And I think he realizes as the show goes on, like he's never going to progress like he once thought he was. So he starts to change his game and tries to get out. Unfortunately, I mean, one of the worst scenes for sure is when, when he gets it RIP, most people in the show get it. So RIP to everybody for sure. But, um, just probably, you know, somebody, even if it's, you're not, you know, you're not in Baltimore or Detroit or Chicago or one of these cities, inner cities where they're, you know, where this is portrayed, everybody probably knows or has experienced somebody like Bodie in their lifetime, in high school, college, whatever. And I feel like that person, that character is just somebody that everybody knows and can relate to. It is so real. Um, and the way that, man, the way that he was played, uh, is just it's one of the best scenes or one of the best acted characters I think I think for me it's Bodie I would love to just you know if he was a real person just hang out with him and have a good time but just I love you know I, I think it's been like that since the beginning the first time I watched it I was like oh I really love that guy you know and he doesn't put up with shit he's, he's not afraid to ask why or talk back, talk back or anything um, so Bodie for me how about you I also love Bodie I, I do I, I, but I will be honest with you, and this is something that you know we, we can ask about. Another one of these questions could easily be, "Who is your, you know, um, I don't want to say favorite death, but your, you know, most impactful mm. R.I.P." Uh, and that's for me is Wallace, man. I, yeah. I had a real connection with Wallace, and I think Michael B. Jordan. I don't know how old he was. I want to say maybe thirteen, <laughs> fourteen yeah, when he was acting. I thought he was so. Good. I thought he was, from an acting standpoint, I thought he did an amazing job. Yeah. Maybe that's because I know that he's already an amazing actor. I don't know. But man, I had a real connection with Wallace. I really felt his pain, his struggle. This is a kid who was just purely born into this, this life, this system. He's a dealer. He's working these apartments, but he's also caring for multiple children. I don't even remember five, maybe six uh-huh. I don't even know. We didn't even know. I guess they're his siblings. We really, we really don't yeah. know. We they yeah, might just, just be the pro, they might just be yeah. the hood, the kids in the hood. Mm-hmm. You know who knows? Um, you know he he's caring for them. He's not making any money. He's not. He's doing all these terrible things, and he's not making any money. But he's getting by. And then we see him. He's unfortunately witnesses a terrible, terrible murder that his bosses kind of basically do. Realizes that the game's not for him. Tries to get out. Tries to get away. Doesn't work out ends up talking to the police, blah, blah, blah. All these things happen. And what leads to is I texted you this. I have never, honestly, and this is dead serious. I have never been impacted by an on-screen death like I was with with Wallace. (laughs) It hit me on a whole nother level, totally different than everything else. It was this terrible, terrible situation where you just knew that this poor kid, this kid was getting blatantly openly murdered for a life that he didn't choose 
couldn't see any way out because of the systems that were that were holding him back and just tried to make it the best that he could, do the best that he could, and all for it to come from the hand of two of his people two that he would consider his best friends and workers that he worked with every day. Man, I don't need to go into any more detail than that, Foshi, but man, yeah. when I tell you that I don't have very many, I am not a type of person who, when they watch a show, literally gasps out loud or is left with the open jaw. I was at the end of that episode. That was one of the few times where I caught myself really like, wow, I need, I need a breather. I need to take yeah. a breather from this show. Yeah. Yeah. This is definitely not a show where you can just binge like five episodes at once. Cause I mean, it, it's a lot of heavy stuff. And yeah. That's probably, you know, it, it doesn't get every time you watch it, there are certain scenes and certain uh, deaths or interactions where you're, it just doesn't get any easier. It doesn't, I mean, it's, it's terrible every time. And Wallace is definitely one of those. I think maybe that's, you know, it it sucks. It's really, it's really just one of the worst uh, scenes, not worst scenes as like bad, but just one of the toughest scenes to watch for sure. Out of like everything I've seen, that one sticks out all the time. Okay. Last question. And then we can get to your stuff. Um, favorite police, just all, on the police officer side. Okay. Who's your favorite? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, I think there's a lot of good, choices um i think i have it narrowed down between two um i think it's between freeman and lester freeman and carver and i originally thought freeman but i think i'm gonna go with carver i think the arc of his character again is he starts off as just like a street level guy he's beating kids up he's beating people he's obviously not following protocol. He's kind of a piece of shit, but as his story goes on and he realizes how his actions affect these people and affect these kids' lives and affect the community around him, he starts to change and grow. And later in the show, you see him actually report one of his officers to IED and he's, you know, he's not going to, make up any lies and or and bullshit them anymore. He's like, no, we got this has to be the right way. So I think I think Carver, and he, you know, eventually he becomes a colonel or a commander. I'm not sure how far he gets, but one of the last things you see is him getting a, a higher rank of officer. Um, which when you're watching the show at the beginning, you're like, this guy's nothing. He's not even no. gonna make it. He's just gonna no. be a street cop forever. He's gonna, you know, eventually he's gonna wind up on the wrong side of a gun or something. Well, because they're, he's one of those people that I mentioned before that he was presented early on as this is one of those shit cops, those, yeah. those terrible officers who are just kind of an idiot and just kind of does terrible things. You know what I mean? Yeah, literally pulls up to corners and just throws people against walls, beats people, you know. But as you see him grow and as season three and four with the kids, he you can see him start to change. When the kids are out there, he's like, you know, he wants to give him a chance. He wants to help him out. He helps out, tries to help out Randy. He helps out um, Weebay's son. Now I can't remember his name. And he helps out Naaman. Naaman who, yeah. you know, sets him up. So I think, I think Carver uh, would be my favorite police officer. I think that's a great pick, honestly. And I really wasn't thinking of him originally. But I, I, now that you say that, I think that's a great move. Because, you know, we talk about these cycles, these systems, these cycles. And what the, show's, the show shows you is that these characters are even cyclical. And this is one of them where we basically are presented as him going to be learning from and then becoming the next Lieutenant Daniels, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. That's the idea. And 
what's important about that is that Lieutenant Daniels always stood up for his squad, but he also stood up for what he thought was right, even when it got him in a bad situation. He was always honest about it. And I think that's something that Carver learned throughout the show. So I think that's a great pick. Foshi, I have said a lot of my notes, and I do have more uh, some that we can cover, but I, w- I want to make sure that, you know, this is all not about Dugan's watching over here. This is <laughs> very much about Foshi and his love of the show and what you have on your third watching now come across. So please, what do you got for us? Yeah, I think, you know, I definitely have some things that I'm going to hit on. I, I, just a question as far as characters that I have for you too. Two questions, actually, one that we'll get to at the end of this little spiel I'm about to give. But, and, you know, we're, we're definitely not wrapping up. So this is definitely, you know, at the end, I'll probably hit this too. But if you have not watched this show, I can't recommend it enough. I've watched it three times. I'll watch it probably in a couple of years again and a couple of years after that. It's just nice to come back and watch something that is so real, so powerful. You know, I love, like I said, I love Entourage. I love Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I love all those shows. Um, but it's nice to come back and watch something that is so well done and so real and so just, I mean, every episode, there's something where you're, you pick something up, you learn something, you see, and like you said, I think you said it perfectly about how this is real and there's people out there going through this right now and how we have been raised and have been given you know, an unbelievable chance at life and not have to deal with some of these things. So if you haven't watched it, I, you know, I, I don't know what else we have to say to have you watch it, but man, you got to check out The Wire if you haven't seen it yet. Um, another kind of question that just spun off for me is who is your favorite kid in the show? So when you get to season three and four, you see more of the kids and the school and those type of things. Who's your, who's your favorite kid? My favorite kid is tough because, you know, everybody feels bad. I mean, you, you, you feel the worst for boot or for, for Duke, right? For Dookie, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. that, that, that's, that's, uh, you know, that's tough, man. It I mean, really yeah, is. He's, he's basically becoming bubbles. I mean, that's what right. So we talk about these systems. Yeah, he becomes yeah. bubbles. Um, and and even what's tougher about that is because his family is already on that road yeah. for bubbles, but he is working with his group of friends, and Michael actually is able to take him away from that and provide this other life for him. And then when Michael has to then drop him off because Michael has to go away, which you know, that's a lot of problems that I have with Michael. He then goes into that full system, which is just, you know, it's almost like you're almost out, man. You're almost out. Yeah. But there he is. He falls back in line. But overall, I really do feel like, man, who I think I spent the most energy thinking about was, um, man, I forget his name right now. Not Raymond. Is it Raymond? Randy? Uh, Randy. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Randy. Yeah. Randy's great. Yeah. Randy's tough for me because Randy has no idea what he, Randy knows what he should and should not be doing. But Randy falls into a fault, which is all of us do this, which is, you know, that snitching is the code. You know that, right? You're in this world. You're in this life. You're in this neighborhood. You know, that's number one. Okay. But when something is presented to you right off the bat, right in your face, you are going to go to jail or you're in trouble for this. Sometimes you snitch without even knowing that you're necessarily snitching. Like, well, hold on. What if I like, can can I do something else to get out of this? Yeah. And some and I feel like him just being a young child, he, like he didn't think. I don't think he analyzed the system he was in in the present moment when it was like, hold on, wait a second, let me get out of this situation. And by doing that, he snitched, which therefore dramatically changed his life. 
for the worse. And that affects me because I just don't think, you know, a grown adult or somebody who even, I mean, these kids are in eighth grade. Yeah. Well, what was I thinking about eighth grade? I wasn't being, I wasn't that aware of anything of my surroundings. So to ask an eighth grader and especially the school who I think also really screwed him in this, Mm -hmm. but for to ask an eighth grader to be so aware to take additional charges or jail time or whatever it is on stuff they didn't do for them to talk their would try and talk their way out of it and then lead themselves into this whole other hole really, really affected me. So I, I think I have to go with, with Randy on that. Yeah. I think that's, I, I would probably say the same. It's just, yeah, the guy, the kid that kind of tried to do the right thing, put his faith in the systems. And in the end, the systems just completely screwed him, whether it was the school, whether it was the police department, when Herc was supposed to help him out with bunk and he just got put in the system. And then at the end of the show, you see him at the group home, foster home and he's become just what he what he was you know what he didn't want to become and it's i mean like i said most of the people in the show don't have a positive outcome but his is really i mean just one of the worst that you can that you can take in for sure but because it really affects me i keep going back to what what really stuck with me Foshin, and then that is something that you know these kids these season four kids they didn't ask for any of this right so so you think about this think about this core of kids right we have we have naaman who his dad is in jail for being the right-hand hitman for Avon Barksdale, right? So he has to live up to this life, this street life that he doesn't want to do, right? You have uh, Dookie, who, you know, like we already have mentioned, is trying to get out of this life of just absolute poverty, not even just being poor, absolute and drug. You know, we're talking about to a level where they can't, the school can't even give him new clothes because his family will sell them for, for drugs. You're talking about Mike, who Michael, who is the most mature out of ever all of them, but ends up actually giving into the street life so that he can provide for the rest of his family. So he actually accepts that role and says, I know that I'm going downhill because this is what has to happen for my brother and Dookie to, to be so. And, and then Randy, what we just talked about. I mean, that yeah. is a group of kids right there that is just dark, 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 dark. Yeah. And man, that is why season four has the impact on me. Because any one of those children that you would pick, Foshi, who, you know, I'd love to hear who you pick is, either any of those picks, you're not coming out with a sunny, a sunny, um, others, uh, uh, grass is not greener. You know what yeah. I mean? Unfortunately. Yeah. I, you know, all of the kids are, it's, it's amazing that these were literally kids when they were acting and it's so, they're so good. They're so, I mean, just a well-acted amazing. Um, yeah. I, I really don't have anything else to add on the kids. I mean, it was really the only one that made it out was, uh, was Naaman with bunny Naaman. and his wife adopting. And him. he just and got, and he just got, got lucky, lucky, honestly. Yeah, I mean, exactly. yeah, he got lucky that he got put into that extra program for the John Hopkins thing. And that that's it. It was just, it was pure luck. And that yeah. is, that's what's the most unfortunate about all, all that whole season, man. Yeah, I do love Weebay though. I did forget when we were talking about killers. I forgot about Weebay. I mean, one of the just a classic. I mean, true, just, just true. a classic. We skipped over him, but he is definitely <laughs> the mix there. Yeah, Weebay's yeah. the man. Uh, okay. Do you have any other character questions? I, I just want to run through some characters and have you give me a rating on how much you like them, one through ten. Um, character questions like about their actual character that they play, like that they through the storyline. Mm, I don't think so. I just want to okay. do. I do want to highlight one thing, and that is. Um, uh, Clay Davis. Who, whoever played Clay <laughs> Davis, I, I gotta give a shout out one to of the, because, one of the best. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I have, I have never. Also, you know, we talked about a uh, performance. The performance in here are amazing, but Isaiah Whitlock Jr. 
My God. I just, when you talk about somebody who every time is just steals the screen, for me, that was Clay Davis. He is just, he was, that dude, I'm not even going to give into specifics, but man, that dude was next level. He was next level. Yeah, every time he let out one of the classic, she, she, I had to send it to Ellen because she loves it. At the end, of, at like season five, at the end of the show, he lets out like a real long one, and oh, it's God, it's so good. Yeah, that dude is season amazing. Season five, they're definitely on that one. You're specific. I, it, first thing my my mind is, oh, they know that this is last oh, yeah. season, and they played that out for sure. They knew they like we got to get one more shit in there for sure, yeah. dude. Okay, when you want to talk about the schemiest, scammiest oh, yeah. people, oh, snake. Man. He's so great. He's so great. Okay, so I'm going to run through some characters. You give me a rating, one through ten. One is the worst, ten, ten, is, okay. ten is the best. Okay. Slim Charles. Oh, I love Slim, man. Slim, Slim, Slim's like an 8.5 because even though he's a hitman and he does terrible things, he is a wisdom man. He yeah. always has the wisdom and he knows the code. He is a, li- oh, I live by the street code and I respect that. A lot of people, especially Marlo, they, they shit all over the code. And that's a big part of, of why Avon was able to grow as big as he was. So he's like an 8.5, like a nine. I love Slim. Yeah, Slim, Slim's great. Slim's up there like with Snoop and all those people. Like Slim, yeah. if Slim's not up in your favorites, then you got a problem. Man. Yeah, he's not like, that's what, you know, when we were talking about like favorite killers or favorite this and that, he's really, I guess he's like a lieutenant kind of, he's like a second command because he doesn't kill people. Yes. He's just like, he's just there for the wisdom. Yeah, Snoop is amazing. And you can tell that he used to, though. You can tell that he will put in the work, and he used to put in the work, but now he's just like, he's put in so much work that he knows the wisdom behind it, which is all you can ask for. Uh, D'Angelo. Ah. D'Angelo is also like, a, he's like a nine. I love D'Angelo. I, I love D. I thought D was great. D was definitely somebody, a character who you could tell also was kind of like, he wasn't born into it, kind of. It was like his family running this. So he just, he's going to do that, you know? And yeah. he didn't want it. He didn't agree with any of it. But yeah, I, I love D, man. He's like a nine for me. Uh, I'm going to hit one from, at least one from every season. What about Nick and Ziggy Sabatka? I give like threes. Okay, so 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 Nick, Nicky, Ziggy is a zero. I just don't care about Ziggy at all. And I think the only reason... You know, you always need somebody who screws up enough to get the cops' attention. And that, I think, was... Well, I don't even know if Ziggy necessarily did that. I think the cops were already on them. But Ziggy, I just, I think there was a lot of Ziggy that we didn't need. And it's fine, whatever. It's just whatever. The only thing that I, I like Ziggy for is that they brought, that's how they kind of broke this into cheese and, and, and getting to know Method Man, yeah. which was cool. <laughs> but Nikki, I, I have no, it's just unfortunate for him. I mean, he's like a four, maybe. I just, it's whatever for me. Yeah. Just, there's a lot of things that he could have done differently that I, I, I don't think he did. So I don't, I don't really have a whole lot of sympathy for him, to be honest with you. What about Gus from season five, the editor? Gus. Yeah, I, I did not like the newsroom, but I liked Gus, man. Gus yeah, was Gus on was his great. job. He was on his shit. He yeah. knew his shit, and he was like, dude. He was also, you know, you know what he reminded me of? He kind of reminded me of a Lieutenant Daniels mm, I was just about for the press. Yeah, because he knew it was right. He knew it was morally right. He knew that people were lying. And the, the difference between him was that Scott, or whatever that guy's name is. I, I can't remember if yep, it was Scott, Scott, the guy that yep. was fabricating stories. He was technically on his team. He didn't completely throw that guy under the bus ever. He just did his own investigation to know if his teammate was wrong or right. And then when it got brought to his attention, he was like, listen, I don't think we're coming about this right. But he never delivered. And he could have so easily just deliberately been like, you got to get this guy out of here. You know? So I'm, I'm with Gus. I like Gus. Gus is like a seven for me. I like Gus. Yeah. Yeah. Gus is cool. All right. A uh, couple more. 
I'm just gonna lump all of these together. Rawls, Burrell, and Landsman. Zero. All three? Yeah. I honestly yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I couldn't stand Burrell from the get go. <laughs> yeah. I thought Rawls, the only thing good about Rawls was that he he was amazing at delivering his lines, like from an acting standpoint. Yeah. He had an amazing delivery, but no. And I cannot tell you how great of an acting performance Landsman was, <laughs> but how much that man annoyed me. I'm dead yeah. serious. That dude annoyed me more than anyone in the show. There might be a couple other people, but he's top three, four, sure. Landsman, there is no way. There is, and I'm, I'm being dead serious. There's no way I could have worked under him no. without just straight, we would have had some confrontations. For sure. Yeah, that dude was the worst. Yeah. And that's actually of one of my, that's one of my, like, do not likes about the show is that nobody confronted him on a real, real level of like, dude, I'm about to beat your ass. Like nobody. <laughs> and he would have 100% gotten to that level. And what really bugged me the most, Foshi, is that here's this guy that I can't stand over, but every time there's a funeral at the bar, he's the one yeah. that everyone looks up to to give, give me a break. Give me a break. Absolutely not. Zero. Negative. Yeah. Yeah. Those three are, are for sure the worst. Uh, you just mentioned him. What about Scott from season five? The that dude was also zero for me. He was just the yeah, fucking worst. <laughs> I just could, you know, to be honest with you, I just didn't care. I just didn't care about him, and I didn't care that he was making up the stories. That's the, I think the problem with season five that I had is I just, other than Gus, I didn't care. I, I really didn't. I, I understand why they were there and what they were doing, but so I, I don't like a one or a two. It just it wasn't that I liked or disliked. It was just like neutral. So maybe a five, yeah. like whatever. Okay. All right. I have two more. Uh, what about Canard? That little kid, he was the one that ends up killing Canard. Canard, God, Canard. he's such a little fuck. <laughs> Listening back to the podcast, the going down the wire. Okay, so here's... <laughs> I thought Canard made me laugh, man. I thought he was great. I thought such a that little kid, shit. <laughs> that kid did, but man, was he sketchy, dude. That dude oh, was yeah. scheming. He did a lot of stuff. <laughs> I actually really like him, man. I'm going like a nine. And, and, and I, I can't wait to talk about when I get to my notes where it comes into full, full, full fledged here. But, um, you know, this is a kid that just with him and the Omar connection alone is, is amazing. very interesting. Yeah. yeah but man, I, I really did enjoy him. He gave me the most laughs. Probably everything that he said was so funny. To me. <laughs> All right. The last one I have is Herc. Negative 50. Wait, <laughs> li- literally. <laughs> I was, I was waiting for you to, the, you want to ask me that without a question, worst character in the entire show, Herc. No doubt about it. I won't even think twice about it. I had that feeling. I bet you I had that feeling through halfway through season three and only four and five just solidified it. It just cemented it for me. You know what I mean? I don't even know if there's a situation where you could talk me out of it, Foshi. I'm dead serious. I, I, I don't think I've ever had the passion, which I guess goes to whoever that actor, I forget his name. His, yeah, Dominic he did a great Lombardosi. job. But man, I don't, I, 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 I Negative a hundred, negative a thousand, <laughs> a million. I, I'm out. I got to hear your thoughts on Herc. I got to hear your thoughts. Yeah. I mean, you so I have like a list of like best and worst characters that I just ran down with you. And he's definitely don't, like on the worst for me. Don't, the worst don't rank it bad just because I just went so hard right there. No. I want your honest, honest opinion. No, I don't think he's my least favorite character, but I definitely don't like him. And like you said, as it goes, I mean, he's just, he's him and Carver are the same person in the first couple of seasons. And then Carver starts to realize like, oh, I need to get my shit together and, you know, actually be a better person. But Herc actually goes the total opposite way to where he starts working for Levy 
who is the lawyer for all these drug kingpins. And then he steals Omar Marlowe's phone number. But then he turns right around and sells them down the river to Levy because they had a bad wiretap. So he's literally just, I mean, yeah, he's, he's bad. He's awful. He's a rat. Yeah, he's, he's, just, he's just trash. That's what he is. He's actual garbage. Yeah, on both sides, he's trash. Who is, then you got you to gotta take me down this road now. Who is your least favorite character? Who, who stands out to you? Uh, so my least favorite character out of what I just mentioned, um, uh, Kennard is definitely up there, uh, for what he really? did. I hate Kennard oh, for what he for did. For what he did. Okay. I can't uh, wait to talk about that alone. But it probably comes down to, man, it's, it's, I mean, Rawls, Burrell and Landsman for sure. And I would probably, I would probably say Landsman too, just cause he's in it the most. I think, I feel like, but he's a total piece of shit up until season five when they start doing the homeless murders. And then all of a sudden he wants to start doing police work when McNulty tells him that he doesn't want to do it. So that's where I'm at with that. I think, I think Landsman is my least favorite character. I think that's fair. I, I, I can't like, and, and I think this goes to credit to this, to this actor, but man, I, <laughs> I haven't been that annoyed by somebody in a long time. Yeah. What else you got for me? Um, yeah, I have, I have more questions, but where else do you want to go before we, before we get, to, I feel like some of these questions that I have are more, they're not like really character questions. Are they storyline questions? Yes. Okay. Yeah. We, we, we can get into some of those questions. I actually have a couple of myself. Uh, not a whole lot though. I got to be honest with you, but we'll, we can get into it. Uh, the first question for you, coach, and this is storyline stuff. Actually, this is more of a sneak peek, I guess, but did you know, and this is something that, that I really didn't catch on until I, I watched the, or I'm sorry, I listened to the going down in the whole podcast, which was in the basketball game, the East versus West basketball game. When they're taught, when Stringer's talking about Prop Joe's secret weapon, they talk about a college player, right? And they said, oh, who is this guy? And they said, I don't know. He's a top recruit. He names like four schools. One of those schools is Mizzou. Did you know <laughs> that? Think- he says, Go back and check that out. I forget what's whenever that game happens. He says, Yeah, he's got this prop. Joe's got this guy. You know, he's recruited by Duke. He says, Duke, Kansas, Missouri, something else. He says <laughs> Mizzou in, in the thing. That's hilarious, right? Okay. More questions for you. I think one of the biggest ones for me that really caught me off where I was like, What? Wait, wait a second. Was I feel like I just completely missed the connection between BD and McNulty. Yeah. I just feel like that just plopped out of nowhere and they're like, Deal with it. Yeah. Did I miss something there? Yeah, I feel like it it kind of just comes out of nowhere too. Like in season three, I think it's season three or four, maybe even all of a sudden she's just like there living with him and they're together. Uh, wasn't really, I mean, even, well, it was the, it was the episode where he goes to her house and says, you know, yeah, rough night. It's like, why did yeah, that where did he go? Like, why did you go to be? Yeah, why did he go right? there? Yeah. It wasn't really, there wasn't like, you know, even during season two, it's not like they had like a great connection or anything. They were just working together. It seemed like, so yeah, that one was kind of is kind of weird. I don't really have a a good answer for that one. It's just kind of a, they just were like, yeah, they're just gonna be together, I guess, to keep BD around, which yeah. wasn't really necessary. I no, I guess they whatever. All right, what ended up happening to Avon Barstale? He just served X amount of years in prison, and that's it. We just that's all we deal with. Yeah, I think that's kind of the story. Is that he's just okay in prison? I guess that's, that's the real. I guess that's just real life, you know. That's just kind of how it yeah, is. Yeah, right? I mean, the last thing, okay. you know, in the last episode of the show, they kind of do like a, a recap of everybody. You know, they show Weebay in prison. Him and Chris are hanging out. Which, good God, what a, I mean, what a duo that is. Oh, and everybody else kind of gets a, <laughs> a thing. But yeah, Avon, they don't really show. I wonder if it was something with 
with Wood Harris where he just didn't, you know, he didn't want to come back just for one episode or it would have cost him too much money. So yeah, I think he's just in prison. Right. Okay, here's another big one that really was like, mm, I know they explained this, but I had a problem with it. And that is how possibly Chris and Snoop were able to dodge slash push back their cases on the 20. They were charged with those 22 murders and they were just pushed. They just kept pushing the court hearings back so that they could continue on their street yeah. life. I'm sorry, <laughs> but I've no way. Yeah. I find that very hard to believe. I had a really big problem. Like, am I missing something on that part? No, I don't think so. I think uh, you're probably 100% right. I, I, know, I, I would imagine that if there was someone, two people that were in, I guess not charged, but in connection with possible 22 murders, that they probably wouldn't just let them walk on the street, but maybe it was just fantasized to an extreme just to show how corrupt everything was. I mean, that's the only thing I can think of, really. Maybe, yeah. I mean, at first, I don't think they would set a bail at all. Yeah, but even stuck. if they did, I, I just the only way that the show keeps mentioning is that they say, "Oh, well, you know, their cases got pushed back, and they, they got pushed back like uh-huh. two times." No, I'm sorry, no. These were at that time the biggest, the biggest murders of that year. That's literally what drove, you know, the whole mayoral race and all of these things. It, it solidified a lot of things. I just, I, I there, there's, I have a problem. Yeah, I think with you're that right. One, yeah, to, you're to be right. honest with you, but you know, that's that's kind of nitpicking, I guess. Um, you know, and, and then I had a bigger question here, Foshi, which was overall, one of the questions I wrote down when watching this is what would this story be like if Stringer Bell had his way? And what I mean by that, I guess, is what would the, what would, what would the Barksdale organization kind of become to? Because what he was trying to do was take it much more off of the street, much more corporate, much more business-like you know, make these kind of things where you're not just on the street shooting everybody or each other, that you're behind organized functions and companies and, you know, laundering money and these other kinds of, I, I would consider more white collar-ish uh, cr- criminal acts, I guess. I, I don't know. Um, you know, did that, cross, did that thought even cross your mind? Watching uh, it's not a thought that's crossed my mind, but it's an interesting thought nonetheless. I think, um, yeah, he was trying to get into construction and some of those businesses, like you mentioned, um, I mean, I, I think it's a a very interesting question. And maybe if it does go down that way, if he's able to convince Avon to go down that path, the, I mean, the Barksdales are probably, you know, if they get away from the drug game, they're probably still, you know, running Baltimore and still high up. Um, they had a lot of very high... Uh, High high officials in politics and powerful people in their pocket with Clay Davis and some of those people. So you know if they start going legit and start making money that way, I think it's you know they're just basically the kings of Baltimore. They're not just out of the drug game, right? Okay, here's my biggest and last question okay. for you: The Greek never gets caught. I mean, really though. Hold on, time out here. You're telling me that the police finally find out who he is, what he looks like. Finally, that was a big mystery. And then we even find them coming out of the diner or whatever that they actually operate out of. And he's, they leave the country in time. They never get, they never get caught. I have a, I, I, I don't know about that one. What am I missing there? Uh, yeah, I think it's, they, re, they finally realize like who he is. They, thought it was Vondas for the longest time, but then they realized that it's actually the older guy. He's the actual Greek. Um, 
But I think, but then what? They just let him go. Like they find that out, and then what happens? They they don't even push. They don't even push on that. And then the next scene is, it ends with the season ends with them getting on a plane. It's like, wait a second. And then hold on. They come, then back, they come yeah. back in season five, and they're using the same diner. Yeah. So when they start following Marlo and them, they never connected that they're going to the same diner with the same Greek people. Like, where's that? Yeah, at? yeah. I think that's a good question. Something I never thought of. Um, yeah, I think it's plausible that they are able to escape in time and get away based off of the money and all the connections they have. But them coming back to the country and working with Marlo and Prop Joe in the same in the same restaurant, small diner, in the same that's restaurant. very interesting. Yeah, it's something I never no thought way. of. You're probably right. Yeah. Okay, that's all I got for you. What do you got? Uh, just some random questions. Um, is If there was a, a prequel to this show, whether it was like Avon and Stringer's upcoming or bringing up or upcoming when they were kids or if it was Marlo and Chris and Snoop, how they became, because that's the interesting thing, right? Is I think this is something that way down the hole talked about that I never really thought of is Marlo's the, the boss, but then Chris and Snoop are underneath him and they will do anything that he tells them, like go kill this person. They won't even ask why they'll just go kill him. Whereas Michael, he would say, Oh, that guy just talked, you know, said bad about, like, said something bad about you. You want me to go kill this guy now? Like, he would probably do it, but he wanted to know why, and that doesn't make any sense to him. Where did they, what was up? Where did they come from? How did they become so connected? Um, and did they go to school together? Did it definitely seems like Chris has some, like you said, some past with being abused as a child or something like that, where he just, I mean, when he kills Michael's dad, he just literally doesn't hold back and does everything. And, because Michael's dad was abusing him. So that's a connection you can make. But I would just like to see maybe their upbringing, where they came, where they come from, where they grew up, all that stuff. Was there any, is there any other prequel ideas or, or spinoffs that you would you know like to see? I guess maybe what happens with Carver or some of those guys, or I don't know. Is there any other ideas that you would have? I actually think that just to follow on what you were saying, I think the Marlowe backstory, his crew backstory, how he became where he was, I actually think that if you were to give me any series that showed any of the street, what we would consider criminals, um, upcomings, I'm in that. No, no doubt about it. I don't care about any of the police. I don't care about the system. Yeah. I don't care about any of the officers. I don't care about any of that. Actually, one of the the series spinoffs that we were going to have, planning to have, was Carcetti and the mayor side of, yeah. no, I'm out all the way. But if you show me how Avon, how the Barksdale organization became that organization, how Marlowe became, I'm in all the way. You know, I will, I, I will. I, that was to me was the most fascinating part of this whole show. There's a lot of dynamic parts that get put pieced together, but just how these, the real life of operating and living in this crazy world that I don't know about it. it yeah. I, I'd be in all the way on that. Nice. Yeah. It's, it'd be interesting. I mean, now it's probably, I mean, eventually who knows they might do I think one. You'd still do still it. Do it I sure. really do. I, I think you could. Yeah, I definitely do. You know, somebody it's, it's interesting. We haven't, this isn't on my, on my list, but somebody that we haven't hit on was that had a, a really bad beginning, but then grew and changed, changed actual professions and became a pretty good person. It seems like was Presbyluski. What are your, what were your thoughts on him? I mean, anything stick out to you? Like you said, I mean, at the beginning, just, I mean, literally starts off as like probably one of the worst characters. You're like, wow, this guy is really bad, possibly racist uh, with some of the things that he does at the beginning. Uh, but then, as he grows and actually gets away from the police, like he's really good at clerical police work. He's terrible in the field, terrible dealing with people, but he's really good at figuring out puzzles and piecing things together and figuring out what goes next and how to work it. 
but he, even then he gets away from that and becomes in the end a teacher starts off not a great teacher i mean i can't imagine being put in that situation with in the in that area but starts off not a great teacher keeps working at it keeps going even though he has horrible leadership in the school from argue man we should have talked about her as one of the worst characters is the assistant principal she mm-hmm. is god awful mm-hmm. and the other the mm-hmm. principal this doesn't really seem like he does anything so it's kind of, he's kind of on his own, but as he gets to know the kids, he wants to help them out. He's a genuinely seems like a good person and wants to help them out in the end. And man, one of the most heartbreaking scenes of this show, I think it's in the last last episode, is between him and Dookie, where Dookie asks him for money because he's going to enroll in school. And Presbaluski knows that he's giving this kid money to basically go buy drugs instead of... And man, I, I absolutely, I watched it. Again, and I was—I mean, just heartbroken over that scene. But you know, what are your what are your thoughts on on Prez Belusky? Anything that stick out to you? I think, yeah, I think Prez. I think Prez is one of the most realistic and current situations that we see today. Because I think the cop that he started out with is the cop who we see a lot of these terrible real life situations of unjust, um, you know, and racial acts being ha- had today, which is these officers who we think are pretty confident that like shouldn't be out in the field and doing what yeah. they're doing. They're not required. They're not trained. They're not, you know, uh, they don't care enough for, I, I don't know what it is, but you know, we see all these things where he accidentally shoots his gun inside the office, <laughs> just has no idea. You know, then he goes out and he blinds that, yeah. that child. He just beats him up just because, and then he accidentally shoots another police yeah. officer thinking that it was a, a, a criminal. You know, these are, these are things that are happening today. But on a larger scale, because of the media and everything that we social media that we have and, and all the information that we have now. Um, so I think it's the most realistic and current to us today. What's not current, though, is that it might have been back then. It's like you do these bad things. We're just going to like hush you and see you later. You know, now we're actually to a point where these people are getting charged, which they yeah. should be, you know, for these acts, which is good. But I think the show back then or in the early 2000s was probably the most real then, too, where it's like, OK, we're just going to like. Sorry, man, like we got to take your badge and whatnot, but like you got to go do this thing. But I think Prez, with, with a big gain for Prez, is that he, once he realizes the systems that are behind the curtain, once he peeks behind that curtain, he realizes how fucked up everything is, excuse me, then it's like, ah, oh, now I get it. You know, and it kind of clicks for him. When he, once he becomes, it even becomes, he, he, he sees the corruptness and the, and the, and, and the weirdness behind it with the, what the police are doing. But he's not in that world anymore. Now he's in the education system. And even there, even there, he's going to help these young people um, become better. And even there, it's severely corrupt. And I think that awakening is what drives his character to be like what we see in the end, which is one of the positive notes of this yeah. show, right? Is we see terrible, 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 and then progress to powerful and helping to actually give back to the community and the people inside of the community. But I think it really takes a, a big eye-opening and awakening for him. So if you were to sum it up to me, Foshio, like what, what is it? I just think it's the mo- he's the most current character nice. that, that we know of in, in, in a lot yeah. of ways. Yeah, that's a great, great way to put it. Um, I have two more things for you. One is a question on a character. The other is just your ranking of the show all time. So let's hit the question with the character and then we'll, we'll see what else you have. Big question. Should Omar have died? Should he have died? Yes. Was it in the scheme of the storyline yeah, like, or it, the, the world that we're building? Yeah, was it, you know, in the show? Um, 
he he gets pulled back in and because Butchie gets gets killed by Marlo's people, so he comes back. And was there ever, you know, when I watched it this time, I was kind of like, man, I wonder what would have happened with, you know, does Marlo just stay, you know, was he in Mexico or wherever, where was he? Does he just stay there and live out his days or does he eventually come back to Baltimore or I guess kill, I guess I, I think it was to me watching it this time. I was like, yeah, I think that was the right thing to kill him. I think it was uh, a pretty big moment and I think it just sets up future things too. Like Kennard is the one that pulls the trigger. So Kennard now has a murder on him and becomes possibly a worse person, a worse character in the, in the world. Uh, Michael definitely starts to slip into that Omar role where he's robbing Marlo's people and taking their money and doing whatever with it. So it's just, a, just a thought that I had. What do you think? So, so yes, in the scheme of things, in this world that we live in, yes, he, 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 sh- the things that he was doing, he probably should have died a long time earlier. His life that Omar Little has created is robbing drug dealers, right? So he robs drug dealers because he he doesn't like what they're doing. He doesn't, but it's not fully community based. It's more selfishly yeah. based. It's like I just know that I can do this. And he, through his neighborhood and through the times, has built up this repertoire that Omar's coming, you know. And what's so interesting about the Canard connection and that, but honestly, I didn't even notice without listening to the, through, you know, down the whole podcast is the scene after uh, Omar and his crew, one of his gets murdered. We see Kennard and yeah. his friends reenacting Omar. Omar. And it's like, oh, I'm going to be Omar. I didn't know that was Kennard. That That's mind-blowing to me. But I will say this. I wrote this down in my notes here, Koshi, because this is why The Wire, this, this was powerful, okay? And I think Omar's death is so powerful, but in a totally different way, because here's what I wrote down. Omar Omar's death shows us just how cold the show is just how cold this real life is, just how cold this the systems are built around these neighborhoods and stuff, uh, and how real life can be because the wire doesn't spend any time on yeah. his death. He is murdered, and then we move on, and that's it. The only time we come back is when the cops are investigating and they're 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 there at his death scene to say like, "Damn, Omar got shot." But that's yeah. it. It's like thirty seconds, and 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 then and then we're gone. There is not a big fight. There's not a shootout. There is no, uh, Marlo's not involved. Actually, no one's involved. This is not even an organized hit. At this time, Marlo has put out a very large lump sum for his head. He has greenlit Omar. And it all comes down to this little child. How old do you think he is? Eight? Uh, yeah, he's probably like eight, ten, maybe. And all because that's just how it is. It's just the code. And he, and he kind of, Kennard knows the code. You yeah. know what I mean? It's just like the, the life. But here's here's what I wrote, Koshi. If there's one takeaway from this whole show, smoking kills. <laughs> what was Omar doing when he when he got when he got shot in the head? He went in there to get one pack yep. of cigarettes, one pack of Newports. Listen, even Omar can't beat smoking, and that's serious. And I'm serious. <laughs> if there's one takeaway that I took away, I wrote this down. I mean, I think it's a great. It's a. I think it's an underlying thing. It's just like. What did that guy get shot doing? He didn't get shot in a yeah. shootout. He didn't get shot. He didn't get killed robbing somebody. He didn't get caught uh, snitching, which he did a whole lot of snitching. He didn't get caught in a... No, he got caught buying cigarettes. Spending time and focusing on smoking got him where he was. Very probable, if you, if, for me, at least. If you yeah, I like that. It. But should he have died? Yes, he should have died. And what it does for me, it shows just the whole... We talk about the street code, the street life. That's what it is. Boom. 
done. On to the next one. Now we have our, our cycle coming back where Michael's going to reenact and, and take over his place. And there yeah. we go. No, no, no sad feelings, no positive feelings. It's just life, which is, which is the greatness of the show. Yeah. Uh, RIP to a real one, Omar. One of the best care, like TV characters ever. Um, you know, this was, Amazing. like I said, started in 2002 and he was a gay drug, basically, you know, like a gay Robin Hood in this community. Robin, drug dealers. Um, and that was never something you see. It's really, I mean, you see it now, but even now you don't really see uh, gay Not people quite. on no, TV. I don't, know. I don't know if there's... And he was... So, no, I don't know if there's another Omar out there. I really yeah, don't. I feel, or if there yeah, I feel like he's really a true one of one. Such a... And I, and I think the biggest thing, not, not to hammer on this point, but I said he was a gay character, but he wasn't he was like a, a big badass character that everybody was super scared of and he was like you know, it wasn't portraying as usual those type of characters are portrayed as where they're you know, not not mainly or anything like that. He was such a big character I feel like and that's something that is just one of the big things that really sticks with you through the show is how transformative of a character he really was I feel like 100% yeah and listen anytime that we have a character who mainly speaks in third person I'm always in I love third speaking <laughs> uh, third person speaking uh, characters those, those are always, always my favorite so anytime we get one that's actually awesome and isn't you know doesn't suck I, I'm, I'm all the way in for that uh, but I will say this I do think that they did a great job with his sexuality they didn't really focus all I mean they, they showed you it but they, it wasn't like overkill or anything crazy but I will say one of my biggest takeaways and one of my biggest knocks on this show and I don't know maybe it was just the times it's very unfortunate but was the the whole the, 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 um, the homophobia yeah. of the show I mean the terminology, yeah, you know, they have like th three, three sayings that every character says throughout all five seasons. I'm like, damn, you know, it really makes me think of Ed Burns and uh, David Simon just like hammered the shit out of those sayings. It's just like, there's no point, you know, if you want to call Omar those things like, well, okay, maybe like we're, we're talking about harsh people here. That's fine. But, you know, they're just using it as like terms, fling them left and right. It's just like, man, that was rough yeah. for me. I, I, had a, I had a really hard time. Uh, dealing with those because it was just it was all yeah. over the place man. which it's very interesting now you know in the time that we're living in now and you know maybe 10 years ago some of those terms aren't as jarring as they as they are now which is good and those things should stick out and stand out and be like oh my god like i can't believe they just said that because no one should be saying those type of things but uh yeah r.i.p to omar you know a, a great character transformative character and just one of the best i guess taglines ever one of the best man's gotta have a code you know so good he has some of the best ah. lines ever in the entire i've ever seen i mean the other one that everyone should know is that you know you come for the king you best yep. not miss that's it's iconic yeah. it's literally iconic i've seen that other places without even knowing that that was connected yeah. to the wire also to come to find out that this, michael k williams personally like was his first break yeah. basically that's <laughs> insane to me so what i did is i went on deep dive and i don't know if you've done this yet Foshi. you should but dude I don't know. Have you seen um, uh, what's that show? The other one on HBO. It's like Into the Night or um, the Night, Night of. of. Have you seen the Night we of? We watched some of it. You have to watch. I know the Night it's of. on my list. So we watched some to. of it, and then we got to a certain point where I canceled our HBO subscription and we stopped watching it. But it's on. It might be Dude. next after since I finished The Wire. That might be now. Michael K. Williams' character in the Night of is basically like Omar if he had been in jail for thirty years and ran the jail like he ran. The yeah. neighborhoods. I'm serious. It, it. I. I don't know this for a fact, but I bet you he took pieces of that. I mean, I saw the night of before the wire, and he is amazing. 
in the night. You need to. You need yeah. To now that now that I finished this rewatch of The Wire, I was looking for shows to to start next. I think that's on the list. So that, that that's probably next. It's only ten episodes, so that's, I think I can oh. burn to those easy. Oh, it's great. Yeah, it's one of my favorite. Omar overall, though, to finish this, bring it back full circle. One of my favorite characters of all time. Definitely good. Um. So I, you know, the last thing that I have is just here. I know you you don't like to put rankings on things, but that's the last thing I have. Do you have anything else that you want to hit before we wrap up? Honestly, no, no, not a whole lot. I think the only other thing that I wanted to say is I, I, I and this is, uh, I don't mean to offend anybody, but I just, I wasn't a fan of the music. I know that the intro music and changes every season. I just didn't like any of them. I also thought that maybe this is my own TV. I don't think it is though. I thought the intro music, I told you this before, was 15 times louder than the whole rest of the show. I don't know why that is, but that drove me insane. I like to have my level yep. set. And leave it there. <laughs> Do that with the music. The music was crazy. I ended up fast forwarding through every intro scene every single time. I hate doing that, but that that was a big problem for me. The other thing was I don't know if you caught this, and this is something that the podcast really highlights. I thought I was like on top of this, and I thought, oh, I only caught this, which was every season when they showed the streets, they had a new slang term that you could hear people in the background, audio wise, yelling that they were calling yeah. the drugs. Basically, what was happening was when, when we were living in the streets in the neighborhood, we had people that were selling drugs like they were. Beer yeah. or food dispensers or uh, vendors at at ball games. You know, you know the guys that are Bud Light. Get your Bud Lights. You know, yeah, pandemic. Out there yeah, just pandemic. Yelling, yeah. uh, pandemic. One of them was pandemic. One of them was greenhouse yeah. gas. One of them was WMD for the weapons yeah. of mass destruction. Uh, just, I thought I was like, ooh, man, I'm catching these are cool, but everybody. <laughs> oh yeah, I love that. <laughs> nothing, nothing crazy there. But those are the little things that on a rewatch, oh, yeah. I'd be like, wow, you know, this is how does this all play in? So, no, I I, th- I think that's really about it. Um, I just think I do have like my last, my, my very last takeaway, but, um, as far as the actual storyline, the characters, I, I think we pretty much covered it all, man. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, so I'll, I'll hit you with the last question. You know, my, this is my all time number one favorite show, hands down. Number one. I mean, one. it would take a lot for something to knock this off, off the pedestal. I mean, there's a lot of shows that I really like. I've watched multiple times, but the wire is hands down. Number one for me. Where does it rank in your all-time ranking or tier system? What do you think? Yeah, I, I am much more of a tiers person. I, I respect you or appreciate you putting that <laughs> into that kind of category for me because I have a hard time ranking everything, especially when you're at the top of your list. There's not a whole lot of areas, especially for media, where those rankings are super clear where I know a one and a two and a three. I'll be honest with you. And, and, and here's the other thing, Koshi, is that, you know, in all honesty, there's not a whole lot of shows that I've watched all the way through, especially like iconic shows, you know? So right now at the top of my list, we're talking about shows that we've talked about on this podcast. We're talking about The Wire. We're talking about Lost. We're talking about Breaking Bad. Um, you know, I I don't even know how Game of Thrones, you know, you're talking about just shows like that. Um, is it at the top? It's definitely in the top tier. Yes. Is it number one? I don't know. That's tough. It it definitely has a running for it. Like, I don't know if I could give it a clear. I think I just need to spend more time. I've, I've only been out of the show for about yeah. a week now. So, and I'm still taking in all these other outside sources on the show, you know, articles and podcasts and all these things. So, yes, it is definitely up there. I will say this, and this is something that stuck out to me. When I watched Breaking Bad, I was like, wow, hands down, I think that might be the best show I've ever seen. I actually think The Wire is better than mm. Breaking Bad. I really do. And at that time, I don't think anything could have been better than Breaking Bad. So I think this has already surpassed Breaking Bad, which is very interesting nice. because I, at first, in season one, 
I would not have said that. I would not have said that. So that is very interesting. And then the other thing too is that, you know, I always gave people a lot of shit for watching Lost. And I was like, oh, cool, you know, <laughs> sweet. And then I watched it and, was, and absolutely loved it. I don't know if this beats Lost. It beats it from a realistic and all the things that I talked about, about it being like real and connecting to real life and being relevant today. And I almost think of Lost as a completely like side, you know, if I had like my fake fiction mm. almost, like it would be Lost. And if I had my nonfiction, I feel like it would probably be The Wire. You know what I mean? But is one better than the other? I don't know. I feel yeah. like they're in two different categories. You know what I mean? So it's definitely up there though, o- o- overall for sure. And I'm glad that, I'm glad that I was able to take part of, of part one of, 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 of the yeah. deal here of this miniseries because without it, I don't know if I would have gone on my way to, to watch it. Yeah, yeah, good. I'm glad to hear that. Um, I, I, there, I didn't think that, you know, when we started talking about this, that I, and I put this out as the first thing for you to watch, I thought that you would like it, but as you were struggling to get through season one, I got a little nervous. I didn't think that, uh, that you might stick with it or you might get through it and actually hate it, but I'm glad to hear that you like it. I'm glad to hear that it's up there with, with some of those other shows. Um, and like you said, yeah, this is just part one of the deal, the miniseries we're going to run here. So uh, before we wrap up, we're going to talk about what's next on the deal. But I want to hit one thing, a couple last things on the wire. Um, I, I, yeah, give me your final thoughts because you know what? I'll, 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 I'll close this out all the way, but give us your, what, what are your final thoughts if you were to wrap everything yeah, up? Yeah, I, I said it at the beginning or in the middle of this kind of, um, I, the wire is just, I don't really, I, I struggle sometimes to put things into words of why I like things and why I think people should watch these things. But I mean, there's a reason it's up there as the number four, number two, number one top show. It doesn't, you know, if you look at every list, it's always on there, which is a good sign. But I just feel like you can watch this show put your phone down for an hour, watch an episode, take it in. And like you said, it's powerful. It's dynamic. There's a lot going on. A lot of characters, great acting, incredible story. And there's so much in the background that you don't know that you continue to learn. Like listening to way down in the hole. So many, so many things in the background. I had no idea this was based off of David Simon and Ed Burns being detectives. I had no idea that was true. I had no idea that the guy that plays Deacon in the show was based off or was the real based off of Avon Barksdale's character. I had no idea there was a real uh, Omar little running around and then he jumped from a balcony and survived that jump and went on to do all these things. So it's incredible. It's, I mean, I, I can't say it enough. There's so many, like you said, articles, podcasts, this book, all the pieces matter. I'm, I'm getting for Christmas and I'm going to read. I can't wait to dive into that. Read more in the background. If you haven't watched it yet, or if you have, I cannot recommend enough watching it for the first time or going back and rewatching it because every rewatch I do, there's multiple things that I pick up and I just love, I love the, you know, the weeks, the months, however long it takes me to rewatch. I love going back through it and watching it, even though it's, it's not a happy show. It's not, uh, you know, it's, there's a lot of depressing things, but man, it's just, it's so real. It's raw powerful every emotion like I said, every emotion you'll feel you'll laugh you'll cry you'll get upset you'll be angry not many shows can do that i feel like so i definitely i can't recommend it enough to everybody out there if you haven't watched it or if you have go back and give it a rewatch for sure yeah i agree i agree with everything that you said my final thoughts are this everything that you said plus 
if you have already seen it, please check out uh, going in down yeah. into the hole, whatever it's called, um, from the ringer. Uh, you will enjoy that. But everything you said plus this, Boshi, and I'll sum this up with a couple things. Number one, um, what this show is great about is it, it, it asks you some fundamental questions, right? Who's good? Who's bad? Who should you be rooting for? Why are you rooting for them? And in the outcome, out of everything, everyone are just people. Okay, that's what I wrote down in my notes. The other thing is, is smoke and kill. <laughs> well, we, should think, we should just put yep. that in there. The other third thing is, is that um, whether you believe it or not, there are systematic cycles at, at hand and have been for, for many, many years. And this is a great show that exposes them. A lot of shows do not do that as well or, or naturally, realistically, as this one. You've already kind of hit on that. And the last thing is when I, if I could sum all this up, and this is a powerful, powerful thing to me, which is what I wrote down in my notes is what this show really connected with me is this. Shit changes, but really everything stays the same. Yeah. It's a great line. I think down in the hole kind of said that in their podcast, and I think they hit it dead on. I mean, if there's anything else, that that's life, man. I mean, how many times have you heard people say that? That's life. So all in all, would I recommend it 100%? It's already jumped to the top Good. of my list, man. Um, and there will probably be a rewatch at some point. We'll see. It'll be very interesting, but we'll, yeah. we'll see. So before we get out of here real quick, real, real quick, let's talk about what part mm. two is looking here of what we're calling sure. the deal. What is your knowledge of part two to this? So part? my knowledge of part two that we've discussed is I, I'm currently watching uh, Real Housewives in New Jersey. I don't think that's part of this deal, though. I think that is a whole separate podcast that we are going to do. So that will be something that right. for the listeners to watch out for is that I am listening or I am watching the Real Housewives of New Jersey on Hulu. I am mm. on season three right now. Wow. Um, so that will be a whole separate podcast. That's going to play into our watch something for a week, for a month, for however long, mm. and then we get on here and talk about it. So that is coming. Part two of the deal, though, is what I believe that we agreed on is I am going to watch two things that I am deathly afraid of. Hereditary and The Witch. Um, That's right. It is the holiday season. With the lights off. Yes. That is night. another thing that we have, we have agreed on is we can add stipulations into the deal. So not only watching these things, but how long it takes us to watch them, when we watch them, what we're doing while we watch them. Um, so in the dark, with the lights off, watching Hereditary and The Witch is something that I'm going to do after the holidays. It is on our list. Um, Ellen is excited because she wants to see these movies. She is a horror, um, likes horror things. I do not. I'll watch them. I, I've definitely taken in more lately. So, um, but that is next on the list. So this is going to be an ongoing thing where we are going to do, you know, I'll watch this. Uh, hey, you want to watch this? We'll swap. We'll do those type of things. But I think it's also important to note that I watched The Wire while you watched The Wire. You were going to watch Hereditary while I watched Hereditary and, and The Witch. So we can both come on here and be up to date and talk about these things. The only I'm interested to see how this goes with movies, though, because the only thing that I have is that I'm going to watch these movies. And I'm very interested to see what I come out with, because I don't know if I'm going to be, have a lot to talk on or have notes, because when I'm watching a TV show, I'll pull my notebook out and start writing down notes. But if I'm watching a movie. I don't want to miss something, I feel like. So it's going to be interesting. And I don't want you to yeah. do that. No, I, that's why I, I, that's why the movie side I think should be much more of a planned thing, so that we can just talk maybe the next day. I, you know, here's what here's what the other stipulation is. We didn't talk about this. I want the podcast to be. I would prefer 
my, my incubating time mm. after this is, was three yeah. days. Okay. It stuck with me for three days. I would like for three days later to just have a natural, no notes conversation of something that we both watched and just see, see what yeah. happens. Yeah. I, I, I agree to that. Um, and I think it, it it's going to be, you know, we're going to talk offline about after I watch these movies, what's next? What are we going to do next for watching for, it doesn't always have to be watching either. It can be listening. It can be reading. It can be any kind of media, you know, video game, whatever. I feel like that could be a, a fun thing to do. Um, so it's going to be interesting. Um, I am hoping that this does not turn into a Fauché is watching horror movies all the time. Uh, but we will see. You might I like mean- them. Who knows? You might like <laughs> but them. But we'll see. What happens if you come out of this? <laughs> what happens if you come out of this and you love it? Who knows? Do you, that's what the part of the deal. You hey, never know. You never know. That's why they call it the deal. You know, there's certain things uh, that we'll agree to, that we will disagree on, that we will barter with. We are both... Um, gamblers so we'll throw some things out there we'll see what sticks but i'm excited i think it's going to be a fun um little mini series that we're going to do and i think this was a great kickoff too with the wire for you um hereditary being one of the you know the biggest movies scariest movies that people talked about and i know the witch is a very interesting movie that a lot of people have talked about um so i'm, I'm excited i i gotta say i am excited i'm extremely nervous um ellen's gonna watch with me she's excited so we talked about it last night. We were walking the dog. Um, so I may not be able to, after we watch these movies, depending how it goes, uh, maybe we just record right after because I probably won't be able to sleep for days. So we'll do that. <laughs> three days. That's what I'm saying. Just give me three days. And I, I'm excited too. It's going to be great. I re- it'll be good. So let, let, let's wrap up yeah. and get out of here. What do you yeah, say? Let's do it. So with that being said, be on the lookout for part two. We'll said it'll be a little bit, but you know, we'll, we'll try and do this as a, you know, a, a, a continuous thing. So just, just be on the lookout. Uh, what what do you guys think out there? I hope you enjoyed part one at least. And what do you guys think of the wire? You know, if you haven't seen it, check it out. If you do, what do you think about what we're talking about? Looking at this right now, just to give you a heads up, we're talking about the wire. We're talking about a show that has a ninety four percent Rotten Tomatoes score. We're talking about a nine point three out of ten on IMDb. Okay, we're talking about some serious, serious, serious credibility here. Okay, so let us know what you think, and of course, any feedback that you have, we would appreciate it. You can hit the Going Off Topic podcast on Facebook. Twitter, on Instagram, a quick Google search. We'll take you to all those places. Also, don't forget about anythingbutcredible.com. And if you want that, along with some other uh, local podcasts, that's podcastmo.com. So we have more coming outside of the deal too. Yeah. So be on the lookout. We have other episodes coming that are, are, are going to be great. You really are going to enjoy to hold you over until part two comes. So make sure you check that out. In the meantime, do yourself a favor. Check out, rewatch some of The Wire or just refresh yourself on it. Uh, We'll see you next time. But as always, keep it off topic.